Cherry Hill Volvo, we have absolutely incredible offers and a plethora of both new and certified Volvos from which to choose. We are eager to offer amazingly competitive prices, plus an additional $1,000 Costco discount on all new Cherry Hill Volvos. When leasing or purchasing a new or certified Cherry Hill Volvo, you become a valued part of our team. Join Cherry Hill Volvo for the pricing and attention you deserve. I am Judith Krepnick, president of Cherry Hill Volvo. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. WPHT, WPHT, HD, WOGL, HD3, Philadelphia. From the Cherry Hill Volvo Studios, where relationships matter. Always live on the free Odyssey app. The revolution will be broadcast. This is the next generation of talk. Now on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT, Rich Zioli. Well, Jim Jordan is not speaker yet, but hope still reigns supreme here. They're going to have another vote. Uh, There are still some Republican holdouts who are saying no way, no chance, no how, although there is no other option. So I think they need to move on here. Make the guy speaker already. Let's do this. Come on. Welcome back to the show. Glad you're here. It is Tuesday and the Phillies won last night, as you know. Great game. Castellanos crushed it. Schwarber bomb. And, of course, for Bryce's birthday. Uh, so tonight we'll check in with our buddies at the ballpark again. 855-839-1210 on Twitter at Rich Zioli. But let's begin with the speaker vote because I was really hoping that the Republicans by now would have would have got this over with and just made Jim Jordan speaker. Uh, enough is enough. But there are holdouts and these are vengeful people. A lot of people in politics are vengeful. You have to understand that. You know this. I'm not telling you anything you don't know. They're vengeful people. They... Love to hold grudges, and they're really angry at Matt Gates because he got rid of Kevin McCarthy, and they don't want to give him a win. But it's not giving McCarthy, it's not, it's not giving Gates a win, it's giving the Republican Party a win. He is preparing for a second vote, and there's a lot of uh, people working, including our buddy Jeff Van Drew, working right now tirelessly to ensure that Jim Jordan has the votes he needs for the second vote that's scheduled to come up a little bit later this afternoon. It may happen during the show today. As of right now, it's scheduled to. Of course, that could change. If it does, you'll be right here for all of the live action as it unfolds. Thank you, Henry. And uh, we'll keep you posted. We also have some great guests coming up on the show today, including my man, Kevin Downey Jr., who's going to be with me at Parks Casino Thursday night for a night of laughter and comedy. He's also a conservative talk show host, too. So uh, we'll have some laughs with him. And we're going to talk to a uh, candidate running for The Supreme Court of Pennsylvania, you know, this is an election that I have not given enough attention to, not by any uh, particular choice. It's just we've had all these uh, other breaking news stories, but it's incredibly important. In fact, I think that the Pennsylvania Supreme Court race is so essential to 2024's presidential election that if you don't get out and vote in Pennsylvania and you don't vote for the Republican candidates running for Supreme Court, you are going to be making a massive, massive mistake. So we're going to talk to Carolyn Coluccio. 
She'll be my guest at 440 today to talk about that. Uh, so there's a lot to get to. And, you know, I was thinking about it. Uh, Donald Trump is back in court again today. I guess he glared. He glared at the attorney general of uh, New York, Letitia James, who has it in for him, obviously. And he glared at her in court. And that made headlines that he glared. I don't know if a gag order that was imposed by the federal judge includes him glaring at people uh, who are trying him in state court. I don't know if it goes that far or not, but why not? I mean, since the Supreme Court has recognized in the past that speech is not just verbal, I would imagine glaring would also be considered to be intimidating speech. So I assume that the judge in the federal case will come out and uh, promptly demand that Donald Trump have to walk into court, perhaps blindfolded, uh, wearing sunglasses, not make any eye contact whatsoever, because God forbid the eye contact is perceived as being intimidating or threatening or gives across the appearance that he believes somebody is a thug or is engaging in thuggish behavior, because that's what her entire gag order was all about. It was about that Donald Trump called the special counsel a thug. And that is a, apparently a very, very, very bad word. But, it, you know, you can you there's lots of ways to communicate to somebody they're a thug. I mean, I've given people the finger before. I'm a Jersey driver, so I've given them a lot of fingers in my lifetime. And I would assume that they would interpret that as me uh, calling them a thug. And by the way, I don't recommend you doing that anymore. Times have changed. And nowadays people are just way too angry and there's too many crazy people on the roads. So my philosophy these days is please do not engage in road rage in any way, shape or form. If somebody comes at you with road rage, just let it go. It's just not worth it. There's too many people out there who are just completely nuts. But that being said, in the old days, good old days, the Jersey salute, middle finger, giving them the old, you know, with the elbow, uh, I, I would imagine would be considered thuggish. You're, you're referring to the person as a thug. Uh, but, but a glare, a good glare can send a lot of, a lot of uh, subliminal messages. In fact, in the highly regarded book, The Seven Principles of Public Speaking by me, I talk an entire chapter about nonverbal communication and how it's 80% of how we communicate is actually nonverbal. A physical body language, eye contact. Yes, shameless plug for my book, which you can get at Amazon.com, of course. But, uh, but no, it's true. 80% of a communication is nonverbal. So in addition to Trump calling the special counsel a thug, he may uh, put his shoulders a certain way. Like years ago, I saw this TED talk from this woman who was an evolutionary biologist, and she did a whole thing about how in the animal kingdom, uh, animals are the alphas of the animal kingdom express their dominance through their physical stature. So, you know, they'll stand up straight and they'll push their uh, their shoulders forward. And, you know, there's all kinds of verbal body communication experts out there who will give you all kinds of analyses. I always love on shows and they bring somebody in and say, what, what did that person try to communicate with their body language there? And, you know, the expert will tell you, well, their arms were closed, which uh, puts off a standish uh, standoff behavior and that sort of thing. I don't know exactly. And perhaps I'll write a follow up to my highly successful book, The Seven Principles of Public Speaking, which you can get at Amazon.com. And I'll devote an entire chapter in the new revised edition to ways that you can subliminally call a special counsel a thug without saying the words and you could actually perhaps maybe give that person a you know a little bit of a like a like a like a message with the way that you either hold your shoulders your back upright or of course with the eye contact look for that coming to big bookstores very very soon i'm busy these days what can i say I'm, I'm i'm doing that i'm engaged in white house cocaine dogs the movie about the biden's dogs who of course 
as you know, found the cocaine that nobody claimed at the White House, snorted the cocaine and proceeded to bite um, dozens of Secret Service agents and White House staff members. So that's going to be a huge hit. And my other movie production, which I'm working on, which is Escape from Georgia, which is all about how the president of the United States, Donald Trump, on Inauguration Day could be incarcerated in a Georgia state penitentiary. And then the feds, the Secret Service, will have to go in and infiltrate the prison to rescue him, to bring him to D.C., to put his hand on the Bible and uh, take the oath of office as prescribed in Article 2 of the Constitution and say the 33 words which will make him the president of the United States. The tension will be huge, of course, as the Secret Service stands off with the Georgia prison guards and the uh, the Georgia Penal Code, and they they have a whole big thing. It'd be like The Rock. Remember the movie The Rock years ago with Nicolas Cage and Sean Connery? It'll be kind of like that. And then they have to rescue Trump out, and they take him out in Black Hawk helicopters, get him to D.C., puts his hand in his Bible, becomes the president. It's a whole thing. But I'm working on that. So these two projects, along with my new book, the revised edition of the book, which includes now body contact and how you can let the special counsel who's targeting you in a political prosecution, know that he's a thug without you actually saying the words. So I had a whole chapter devoted to that. So I'm very, very busy these days, but nevertheless, not nearly as busy as uh, Jim Jordan is today on the floor of the House of Representatives trying to become the next speaker. And he should be because he's earned it. He really has. He's earned it. NPR is also doing damage control after a guest with a history of whitewashing terrorism claims that Israel fabricated civilian deaths. Yes, uh, they fabricated civilian deaths. This is the whole thing about how they made up these uh, supposed lies that uh, apparently now Hamas was not cutting the heads off babies, as if Hamas wasn't cutting the heads off babies, that would make everything else that Hamas did fine, just perfectly fine. Oh, later in the show, we're going to talk to my buddy Liz Wolf from Reason.com. She made a great observation on Twitter and also at Reason.com about the fact that, you know, college campuses across the country, if you misgender somebody, they will throw you off campus. However, if you, if you give a speech in support of Hamas and encourage Hamas to kill Jews, they'll actually give you a tenured professorship. That literally just happened. And we know all about the students at Harvard, at Penn, uh, LaSalle, schools right in our area, as a matter of fact where they have been having these pro-Hamas rallies, which as Wilfred Riley equated to on Friday when he was on with me at the Grand Hotel of Cape May, New Jersey, it's very much akin to imagine if they had Klan rallies at these college universities where they were encouraging the KKK to kill uh, black people. Because that's really what these pro-Hamas rallies on college campuses are. These are not pro palestinian uh, geographical rallies. You know, Palestine should get more land and... I should get more human rights. And this is a standoff. And this is these are pro Hamas rallies. These are people who are they're They're out there on college campuses. And they are pushing Hamas's agenda, even though the agenda of, of Hamas is to murder Jewish people for being Jewish. And also, by the way, Hamas wants to kill Christian Christian people, as you know, and Muslims who don't follow their version of Islam. And they would love to kill some of these college kids. I mean, they really would. Let's be honest. Hamas would love to behead some of these college kids, especially the ones with the rainbow hair and the unicorns and the LGBTQ plus plus IA, every letter of the alphabet for Hamas clubs, which are now sprouting up around college campuses. Hamas would love to kill them, too. 
Um, but nevertheless, these uh, these kids have it pretty good in life. You know, America has it pretty good, so they feel like they can go out there and join in the cause du jour and back them. So that's happening as well. But this guy, Khalid Hal Haroub, is a professor at Northwestern University in Qatar. He's been accused in the past of glorifying terrorists and whitewashing Hamas. He claimed during an on-point interview on Monday with NPR that Israel has fabricated civilian deaths and has fed the media from day one with a kind of misinformation. In response to this, National Public Radio paid for with your taxpayer dollars, by the way, which just as a side note, you know, every now and then I get snarky little texts from people or Twitter messages or they put them on YouTube about our sponsors. Oh, there goes Rich with another sponsorship live read for Cherry Hill Volvo. We are not NPR. This radio station does not get government funding, unlike National Public Radio. We also don't charge anyone to listen at any time. You can download the podcast for free. You can listen on the Odyssey app for free. Uh, You pay for it with your time because you have to constantly reset it and listen to the if you want to bet on sports commercial. But we don't charge you for it. There's no subscription like SiriusXM or other people now. I've noticed all these people lately on Twitter and Substack, they charge you to read everything that they want to say. You got to subscribe now to see people's posts on Twitter and their videos. This is all free. And it's only because of our wonderful sponsors and advertisers. But it really burns me, particularly about NPR, because I'll drive down the highway on 95 and I'll see a series of billboards and not just one, maybe like six in a row. You know, and it's um, it's uh, the news without noise, adult conversation. You know, as if to say that the talk radio we do here is just immature and childish. And and they put up six in a row paid for with your taxpayer dollars because NPR, of course, is government funded propaganda state run media. I mean, that's what it is. It's what national public radio is at this point in time. Why do we need the government to fund any radio stations or TV stations, newspapers or anything in this country? Why? And if you do fund them, remember that they're always going to be like anybody else in life. Don't bite the hand that feeds you. They're going to be looking to make their masters happy, the masters who write their checks. So the people at NPR, well, they're lefties to begin with, but they also know who who butters their bread. So, you know, they're going to always give you the, the government spin. Anyway, so NPR put a statement out after they did this interview with this guy and they said, Uh, The segment did not meet our editorial standards and that it is paramount to acknowledge when our work falls short of our standards, which, by the way, is everything NPR does, in my opinion, falls short of standards of just uh, good journalism or, or good entertaining radio, entertaining radio also, because most of the time you listen to them and they all have that same exact NPR monotone voice. You know exactly what I'm talking about. That same, well, you know, the no matter what they're talking about, it's the same every time. Well, meatballs are better with a veal and pork mix beyond veal, obviously. It's the same thing every time, no matter what they're talking about. Uh, on point host Megan Chakrabarty countered with statements of fact to correct the record. <clears throat> that does not negate the impact of hearing Professor Haroub's statements. Yet they ran with the segment. And uh, the segment was not live. The segment was something that they pre-recorded. They wanted people to hear it. Harub is the author of at least two books on Hamas. One book is called Hamas, A Beginner's Guide, and Hamas, Political Thought and Practice. 
I imagine there's also a Hamas for dummies coming out at some point soon, but I imagine that most dummies already root for Hamas. He has been portrayed in the media as a voice for moderate Islam who has proposed establishing an Islamic fund to aid victims of Islamic terrorism. He has called for moderate Muslims to stand up to shameful terror acts in the name of their religion and has said terrorist acts are straining all those with ties to Arabs or Muslims. However, Cannery Mission, a nonprofit that tracks anti-Semitism on college campuses, has documented a long list of statements from Al-Harub spreading incitement, glorifying terrorism, whitewashing Hamas, promoting violence, and spreading the hatred of Israel and the good old United States. Professor Al-Harub, for example, has said that Hamas is doing good for Palestinians, has referred to violent riots as popular resistance, and said that the Jerusalem Intifada must expand and move towards all the cancerous settlements that have devoured the Palestinian land. He has trivialized Hamas's network of terror tunnels and has claimed that it can't be taken for granted that Hamas used people as human shields. Remember, Hamas lets everybody know that they've used people as human shields. They're very proud of the fact. They brag about it. They post videos on social media bragging about it. So NPR invited this uh, a Jew hater onto their, their government-funded network to uh, get a deeper understanding of Hamas, its creation, what it stands for, what it's aims for, and uh, what its capabilities are now. I imagine you heard them right here in Philadelphia on WHYY, which prides itself on being mature, adult conversation without noise, you see. So I'm sure on Philadelphia's very own WHYY, the NPR-funded government-run propaganda station right here in the city of Philadelphia, you got to hear this guy, if you were listening, which I know you were not. And on the interview, Al-Harub insisted that Hamas officials document uh, and shows that the terror group is open to accepting a Palestinian state within the pre-1967 war borders. When asked about the history of Hamas leaders calling for the killing of Jews and the destruction of Israel, he said there are contradictions in their rhetoric, depending on the time and the audience. There's contradictions, you know, I mean, some of the guys think you should wipe Israel off the map. The others, well, they think Israel's got great, um, well, they have Wawa pizza now, from what I understand. The violent rhetoric, he said, isn't a reflection of Hamas's real goals, but is instead meant for mobilizations for internal kind of dynamic with the Palestinian people in the street and specifically in times of crisis. And he accused Israel of attacks, aggressions, and wars. He said that he suspects the attack was supposed to be smaller, a short, limited, swift operation by which they could kidnap maybe two, three soldiers, which they could use as a negotiating tool for the release of Palestinian prisoners. But he said... He suspects that Hamas killers stunned themselves by the easiness of their success and made ad hoc decisions to expand the operation. So, you know, they called an audible on the field and said, while we're out here paragliding in and killing the Jewish people, let's just keep it up. Quote, the temptation of scoring a great victory against the most powerful army in the Middle East, I think, seduced them. Al-Harub said. That is what we call uh, victim rationalization right there. He's trying to pretend like 
Hamas is the victim. They just got caught up with it. And they just got caught up in the moment. You know, they got caught up in the fervor. And then next thing you know, they're killing innocent people and moms and babies and doing all that in the street. Of course, Hamas's attack was not primarily against the Israeli army, but was targeted against civilians. The NPR hack noted that the asymmetry of power in the region, but then questioned why Hamas targeted Jewish children sleeping in their beds in center-left kibbutzes. What kind of victory does that give to Hamas other than just the sheer Islamist victory of having killed Jews, she asked. Al-Harub, claiming that he wasn't apologizing for Hamas, said that the world has been misled. He said, I haven't seen any kind of credible media reporting, at least about the incident on the 7th of October, killing civilians in this matter. We have read, of course, the beheading of 40 babies, the raping of women and all of that. Of course, when you hear these things, I myself, I was shocked. And then it turned out to be kind of fabricated and all that. The only source for us, for me as an academic, is the Israeli source, which has fed the media from day one with a kind of misinformation. Yes, he really did use that word. He said, I think we need kind of, uh, you know, to pause for a while, objectively speaking, and wait for some kind of credible second, maybe, well, verification of what really happened on the ground. Now, the NPR hack pushed back briefly and started to say, we do know for sure the target of Hamas's attack last week. There's no denying that people in kibbutzes were attacked. The music lovers at an Israeli rave were attacked. She then added that Al-Harub's point about disproportionate deaths is also well taken over time before moving on with the interview. You know, this is um, classic NPR. It's it's classic leftism, right? You, you, You let somebody come on to advocate their hatred for Jews and to justify the killing by terrorists. There was some of this in the wake of 9 11 some of this pre-9-11, too. You justify al-Qaeda's go- goals. You justify uh, ISIS's goals. You know, I mean, they just want to caliphate. Like, they just want to bring about the end of the world and kill every Jew and Christian and non-Muslim who are Muslims. Who just, they just view as being, you know, not in line with their vision of Islam. Uh, but, I mean, you just want to bring about a caliphate. Like, you know, these things happen. So they use it as an opportunity to broadcast the message. They get it out there. It's a prepackaged, pre-recorded segment, and then they come back later and go, this did not rise to our journalistic standards. Of course it did. This absolutely rose to NPR's journalistic standards. NPR is a joke. As Johnny Cook says, it is beyond parody, and NPR wanted it to be very, very clear to people that uh, it's possible that maybe the Jews are just, uh, you know, making this all up. And maybe Hamas really are the good guys here. But... Since a lot of people who write checks to NPR or PBS, I hope you're not one of them, by the way, they don't deserve a dime of your money. They might have been offended by this and maybe wrote some emails or maybe called up. They issued this this uh, this retraction said, well, this did not rise to our journalistic standards. More than anything, this should be a great editorial on why the government should never fund public radio or public television or any other public news source and why people should not give their money to them in the form of charity. If they're raising money for charity, that's one thing. But if you give them money to stay on the air, in other words, if they can't make it in the private sector, 
and you write them a check to keep them in business. And we've never asked you to write us a check to keep the lights on here. If you notice that we've asked you to help us raise money for the Travis Manning Foundation in the past for um, cops who've been killed in the line of duty. We, we've had throughout the years, USO radio funds. We've never asked you, please help us do what we do at Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. Write us a check so we can make sure that we can come to work every day. Any organization that has to do that, like National Public Radio, does not deserve to be on the radio. WHYY in Philadelphia is a joke. It's a joke. But they claim to be the adult in the room, which is what the left does very often. The adult in the room. 855-839-1210 on Twitter at Rich Zioli. Speaking of adults in the room, I hope the Republicans will come to their senses and um, they will rally around Jim Jordan. This is the latest right now. When we come back, I'll give you the where we stand exactly on all of this. And does Jim Jordan have a shot to become speaker before the day is out today? He does. That's the good news. The bad news is, though, or there are some Republicans who are, for lack of a better word, butthurt. And they may not be able to get over it. Don't shake your head. I said it. 855-839-1210 on Twitter at Rich Zioli. We're coming right back. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. (sighs) Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. The Zioli Show. On your schedule from Talk Radio 1210 WPHT in the free Odyssey app. All right, so Jim Jordan. Uh, here's a statement that was just released by Congressman Anthony D'Esposito from New York's 4th Congressional District. You said the following on X. He said, um, quote, I want a speaker who understands Long Island's unique needs, restoring the salt deduction. That's the uh, state and local tax deduction. That's where you were capped at $10,000 for your property taxes. 
on your federal form. Safeguarding 9-11 victim support funding and investing in critical infrastructure and our priorities. I look forward to discussions with candidates. All right. Not quite sure what that means exactly, but um, he's one of the holdouts, I guess, at this point. He said uh, he's not coming out in support of Jim Jordan, but he's not a hard no either, from what I can understand. Uh, Elise Stefanik is also trending on X right now. She is um, coming out and saying the following at this point. I'll share with you. There's a lot of them, but they're putting out statements. They're all trying to figure out how to come at this. She said, we are at a time of great crisis across America, a time of historic challenges in every chamber, and a time when heinous acts of terror and evil have been committed against our great ally Israel. Our friend and colleague Jim Jordan is a patriot. So she's coming out and supporting Jim Jordan, which is good, because quite frankly, Liz has been all over the place, um, Elise has been all over the place on this. Um, but she's backing Jim Jordan now, which is good. So Matt, I just sent you that clip. We'll play a little bit of that for you. And she gave a very impassioned speech in support of Jim Jordan. The real question, though, is when are the other Republicans who are angry right now at Matt Gates going to get over it and realize Matt Gates is not going to become a speaker here? This is a vote on Jim Jordan. Whatever your issues are with Matt Gates, whatever your issues are with getting revenge for what happened to your buddy Kevin McCarthy, Matt Gates not going to become a speaker. Then about him, Jim Jordan is not Matt Gates. Remember, Jim Jordan opposed Matt Gates. See, this is what I can't figure out about these people. Jim Jordan was on team Kevin McCarthy. He didn't want to see McCarthy go, and he was willing to back Steve Scalise. He backed Steve Scalise. He was willing to give a speech for Steve Scalise. So the fact that you've got a handful of holdouts right now trying to get revenge against Matt Gates, what is what is the point of that? Matt Gates is not going to become the Speaker of the House. There are, and it's funny too. I just saw Mark Levin who called the the twenty that voted against Jim Jordan boneheads, which is good because, as you know, and I love Mark, love him. Great, you know, mentor of mine. We don't agree on everything, but he lets me fill in for him. He was very angry about what they did to Kevin McCarthy, as you know. But he's fully behind Jim Jordan now. And he said the 20 Republicans that have voted against Jim Jordan for speaker are boneheads. They are, including Ken Buck of Colorado and some others. I'm trying to see um, Kelly of Pennsylvania. See if there's an Elton or area. No, that's it, really. So... Kelly of Pennsylvania seems to be the only local person who's voting against Jim Jordan. We'll try to find out a little bit about what Congressman Kelly's problem is here, what his issue is. Uh, but here's what Elise Stefanik said earlier today regarding just a few moments ago, actually. All this is going on right now in real time. Um, but there is breaking news as well, which is hundreds have reported dead at a Gaza hospital. It's some breaking news that just happened right now in the midst of this war. Fox News reporting hundreds dead at Gaza hospital in Tel Aviv, Israel. So that is happening um, as we speak as well. But here's what Elise Stefanik said a few moments ago. Mr. Speaker pro temp, Madam Clerk, colleagues, on behalf of the House Republican Conference, I rise today to nominate the gentleman from Ohio, Jim Jordan, as Speaker of the People's House. of great crisis across America, a time of historic challenges in this very chamber. 
and a time when heinous acts of terror and evil have been committed against our great ally, Israel. As this body convenes for the sacred responsibility to elect the next speaker of the People's House, I am reminded of the Book of Esther. For such a time is this. Jim Jordan will be America's speaker for such a time as this. A time when hardworking American families are struggling under the vice of inflation, not able to afford groceries, heat, or gas because of the trillions and trillions of dollars of reckless spending by failed far-left government. A time when millions are being illegally trafficked and smuggled across our southern and northern borders due to the catastrophic and inhumane wide-open borders of Joe Biden. A time when violent crime is skyrocketing across America, destroying our great cities, suburbs, and small towns, where people no longer feel safe in their homes or in their communities. A time when American energy production has been crushed by Joe Biden's radical, failed, far-left policies, causing seniors, farmers, and families to pay more at the pump and struggle with skyrocketing utility bills. A time when the federal government is weaponized against we the people, who they are supposed to serve, stripping us of our God-given constitutional rights and wrongfully targeting conservatives, Catholics, and even parents at school board meetings. And a time when the people of our closest and most precious ally, Israel, suffered the bloodiest day since the Holocaust, with acts of inhumane evil committed by Hamas terrorists backed by Iran, grotesque atrocities, the beheadings of babies, rapes, kidnappings, and slaughter of women, children, and the elderly, and Israelis and Americans taken hostage. We are here in this very chamber for such a time as this. Jim Jordan will be we the people speaker for such a time as this. Our friend and colleague Jim Jordan is a patriot. He is an America first warrior who wins the toughest of fights, going after corruption and delivering accountability at the highest levels of government on behalf of we the people. Jim is the voice of the American people who have felt voiceless for far too long. Whether as judiciary chair, conservative leader, or representative for his constituents in West Central Ohio, whether on the wrestling mat or in the committee room, Jim Jordan is strategic, scrappy, tough, and principled. He is a mentor, a worker, and above all, he is a fighter. And the American people know, we know, that Jim Jordan is a winner on behalf of the American people. Almost 10 years ago, many of us sat with our colleague Jim Jordan in this very chamber when Prime Minister Netanyahu delivered his historic joint address, which some of our colleagues across the aisle shamefully boycotted. Bibi pointed out that in this very chamber, we serve under the watchful gaze of Moses. He said, quote, Overlooking all of us in this chamber is the image of Moses. And before the people of Israel entered the land of Israel, Moses gave us a message that has steeled our resolve for thousands of years. Be strong and resolute, neither fear nor dread them. He went on to say, my friends, may Israel and America always stand together strong and resolute. May we neither fear nor dread the challenges ahead. May we face the future with confidence, strength, 
and hope, end quote. On behalf of the American people, let's face the future with confidence, strength, and hope. Let's elect Jim Jordan, our Speaker of the People's House, for such a time as this. Now, Mike Kelly, who's a congressman from uh, Pennsylvania, he is now pushing to elect Speaker Patrick McHenry uh, as Speaker pro temp. And I guess now he would push for him to become the Speaker. I don't know if we have any audio of that, Matt. I don't think we do of Kelly, do we, at this point? Uh, no, not All not right. Um, but we do have McHenry reading the votes from a short time ago. McHenry right now is a Speaker pro temp. Um, Mike Kelly, Pennsylvania, one of the holdouts against Jordan, trying to push for Henry McHenry to become the uh, Speaker of the House of Representatives. Take a listen to, to the roll call here. The tellers agree in their tallies that the total number of votes cast is 432, of which the Honorable Jim Jordan of the state of Ohio has received 200 votes. The Honorable Hakeem Jeffries of the state of New York has received 212 votes. The Honorable Kevin McCarthy of the state of California has received six votes. Lee Zeldin of the state of New York has received three. The Honorable Steve Scalise of the state of Louisiana has received seven. The Honorable uh, Mike Garcia of the state of California has received one. The Honorable Tom Emmer of the state of Minnesota has received one. The Honorable Tom Cole of the state of Oklahoma has received one. The Honorable Thomas Massey of the state of Kentucky has received one. Uh, The latest we also have here is, uh, let's see here now, uh, hard no votes at this point against Jordan. John Rutherford of Florida, Mario Diaz-Balart of Florida, who's calling for McHenry to receive the uh, full power of the speakership. Lori Chavez de Romare from Oregon. Doug LaMalfa of California voted for McCarthy, but now says he'll vote for Jordan during the next vote. And we'll follow Mike Kelly here of Pennsylvania. So, you know, if you if you live in Pennsylvania and you are in Mike Kelly's district, you may want to reach out to him. Several appropriations committee members who voted against Jordan have said they would support such a move to expand McHenry's powers. So now it seems to be a two man race between Jordan and McHenry. That's where things stand right now. Eight five five eight three nine twelve ten. We'll keep you posted here. This is breaking news, breaking developments on the show, and it seems like Hamas may have bombed their own hospital in Gaza. Uh, A Gaza rocket barrage passed near this Gaza hospital and Hamas may have killed Palestinians in their attack. These are these are ruthless, savage people here. Uh, But listen, uh, I want to let you know that we're going to be back live at Parks Casino Club 360 this coming Thursday. God knows after this week, last week, we could all use a laugh. So join me for a night of laughter for Joe Conklin's comedy night with MC Mike Baldini. Thursday, October 19th, 8 p.m. at Club 360 Parks Casino. You're going to enjoy great comedy with Kevin Downey Jr., who's going to be on the show later today. Marion Grodin tickets are just $20 and include your first drink. Doors open at 7 p.m. Go to parkscasino.com slash comedy. Parkscasino.com slash comedy. You must be 21. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. See you there. Thanks for listening to the Seoli Show podcast from Talk Radio 1210 WPHT and the Odyssey app. All righty, so as we continue along the show today, uh, all the latest updates on the speaker's race, obviously. Uh, I do want to mention to you as well, you know, it's the, 
issue of the president, former President Trump, this gag order. I'm going to get into this uh, in the four o'clock hour in, in, in great detail. Um, but I'm, I'm frustrated at how the Republicans cannot seem to get around a guy like Jim Jordan, who let's just face it. Jim Jordan's a guy in that old saying, you can drink a beer with a guy, right? Which is a stupid political saying, but he's a real down to earth guy. And he's not looking to go in there and serve the military industrial complex. He's not looking to go in there and get rich off the job. He's looking to go in there and uh, fight to do what Congress needs somebody to do, which is to push back on the executive branch of government. I mean, at this point in our time right now, and this is why the House Select Subcommittee on the Weaponization of Government, the House Select Subcommittee on the Origins of COVID-19, the Oversight Committee, all of these things that are happening right now that Jim Jordan is leading the fight in, along with Tom Massey, along with Jim Comer, along with some others, this is what we need. We need somebody who's willing to push back on the executive. But the problem is a lot of these guys, most of these people, most of these hacks on Capitol Hill, most of these Republicans, they're looking to cash a check. They're looking to one day cash a check or they're going to go back to districts where they're where they know that Joe Biden won and they want to come back and say, I didn't vote for the uh, for the conservative Jim Jordan guy. What these people need to understand is that whether it's Jim Jordan or it's Patrick McHenry or it was Paul Ryan or was John Boehner, you're never going to get Democrats to like you. This is why moderate Republicans annoy me so much. The so-called moderates, they think. They can get Democrats to like them. They think they can get swing voters to like them if they just vote like Democrats. They're never going to like you. So make a decision. Are you going to fight for your country? Are you going to fight to restore the balance between the legislative branch and the executive branch or not? Or are you just going to keep giving money to Ukraine in in, in perpetuity and let the executive branch do whatever the hell it wants? Now, we are awaiting the next vote on the House Speaker. It will happen during the show today. We will make sure that you hear it live. You will know the results of what happens. So you don't have to go anywhere today. It's a busy day. We got this. We got the fills tonight. Got a lot going on. But the point about Jim Jordan is that here's a guy who's gone in there to say, I'm going to be a fighter. You know, and, and, and maybe that means he doesn't get a big fancy lobbying job. And maybe it doesn't mean he doesn't wind up serving on a board of some corporation making hundreds of thousands of dollars a year to do nothing. So what? He's willing to do it. But you have Republicans in there that don't like that. They don't like that. And they, he, they, they view him as a threat to their own personal paycheck down the road when they leave the House. They also don't like the fact that they may have to go back to their squeamish little purple district and say, yeah, I know I voted for Jim Jordan. But I got news for you. If they vote against him, they deserve a primary challenge. They do. They deserve a primary challenge from a conservative who's going to make that moderate Republican go far to the right and they're going to wind up losing their seat in the general election. That's not me saying that. That's just that's just that's what's going to happen. I'm telling you right now, it's what's going to happen. These idiots need to understand that if they block Jordan now, what's going to happen is somebody who's more conservative is going to challenge them in their district. You're going to have a primary battle. And they are going to have to go to the right if they want to keep that seat in the Republican primary. And then good luck answering for all that in the general election. These people don't think like this, though. They don't think about that. They don't think like that and say to themselves, you know what? Maybe I'm making a big mistake here. Maybe I'm making a big mistake by fighting these guys. Because let's face it, they're just not very smart. They're not. They're not very smart people. That's why most of them are in the House. 
But I hope Jordan wins. I mean, just his efforts alone on trying to deal with the fact that Facebook and Twitter and the corporate media and all these entities worked with government to silence you, to silence me, to suppress our freedom of speech so that you had to hear what the government wanted you to hear and you didn't have the right to say what you wanted. And if you did, they made sure that big tech suppressed what you were saying. And Jordan's fighting that, pointing that out. Fighting the fact that the FBI and the CIA and the NSA and big tech were all working together, whether it was COVID, the Hunter Biden laptop, et cetera. And he's a guy who said, look, I'll give you a vote on Ukraine, but I'm not packaging it with all this other crap. You're going to have an up or down vote just on this. And that's another reason why these cowards fear him, because they want a guy who's going to let them hide. They want to be able to hide. They want to vote for Ukraine funding and not have to own it. So that in, in case, just in case... They have to go back and deal in a conservative primary. They can say, well, I, I didn't mean to vote for Ukraine funding. It's just that you got to understand, I, I didn't have a choice because uh, I was in a CR. It was a continuing resolution. It was an omnibus bill and blah, blah, blah. That's what these people are trying to do. That's what these people are trying to do. And it has to stop. That's why I'm very optimistic right now that hopefully Jordan will ultimately pull this off. 855-839-1210 on Twitter at Rich Zioli. Uh, There's new info coming out in a deadly Gaza hospital strike. It seems like Hamas blew up a Palestinian hospital. We'll give you details on that at the top of the hour as well. But listen, you know, we've been gathering at the Grand Hotel of Cape May, New Jersey for several years now. We've had an incredible time. Friday's show was our absolute best yet. The Biden puppet came out with megaphone Bernie calling the strings, pulling the strings. Uh, Great group of people and a lot of fun. My thanks to Bob, Caitlin, the entire team there for hosting us. Chef David Mills, I walked around the restaurant that night. So many people were enjoying his great food. Well, now you have your own personal code to use when you make your reservation at the Grand Hotel of Cape May, New Jersey. Just use promo code Zeoli, Z-E-O-L-I, and you can save 15% off when booking a midweek stay from now until the end of the year, December 31st. There's no minimum stay required. Just simply put my name, Zeoli, in the promo code and you'll save 15% off. And you'll love the heated indoor pool. You're going to love the restaurant. You're going to love the people. And we'll be back. Our next show is December 15th, Friday, December 15th. And I got to tell you, Cape May, Christmas time is absolutely beautiful. So please make your reservation today. I don't call the Grand Hotel my happy place for nothing. You'll see how happy it is when you go there. Just go to grandhotelcapemay.com. GrandHotelKMA.com. Use my promo code Zioli and mark your calendar for December 15th for our next live show. Rich Zioli, weekday afternoons 3 to 7. Talk Radio 1210. WPHT. And on the free Odyssey app. HD3 Philadelphia from the Cherry Hill Volvo Studios where relationships matter. Always live on the free Odyssey app. The revolution will be broadcast. This is the next generation of talk. Now on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT, Rich Zioli. Former President Trump is outrageous, 100%. I told you that yesterday. 100% outrageous, and he's taking a stand against the judge's gag order and saying he is willing to go to jail. Welcome back to the show. Glad you're here today. 855-839-1210 on Twitter 
at Rich Zioli. Thank you for being here. I appreciate it. We got a lot going on. There is a uh, hospital strike, which they are now saying is an Islamic jihad that caused this hospital strike in Gaza right now. Uh, we're getting details on that coming out. Also, too, we have the speaker fight for Congressman Jim Jordan. Um, strange clip here from this guy, Ken Buck. You know, I'm not a fan of this guy. He's a Liz Cheney guy. He and Liz Cheney are besties. And I guess at one point, Ken Buck had said he wanted to get a job on MSNBC or CNN. And he has another guy who's looking there for, he's there for his own self-interest. Bottom line, he's there for his own self-interest. So that's what Ken Buck is all about. Anyway, this is Ken Buck. He, he doesn't want to vote for Jim Jordan. He doesn't want to vote for Tom Emmer. He basically doesn't want to vote for anybody. I don't know why Ken Buck is even speaking other than he's trying to get a job. Uh, take a listen. Oh, he did not vote for Congressman Jim Jordan, instead voting for Tom Emmer. Well, I guess my first question is, do you really want Tom Emmer to be speaker? No, I don't. I don't like Tom Emmer. I figured this would be the worst job in America. Mike Rowe would not want to do this for his TV show. This is a terrible job. Okay, so just to underscore that, you voted for somebody because you don't like them. I I, I voted for somebody because I wasn't going to vote for Jim Jordan. So he voted for somebody else because he wasn't going to vote for Jim Jordan. Gotcha. So again, this is a guy who's 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 butt hurt and holding out right now. Sorry, but I had to say it because he does not want to vote for Jim Jordan. Sorry, there's no other way to describe it. You got a better word? Uh, weenie. Nope. Butt hurts better. Got he another does, better word? He does seem like a total loser. Thank you. Got another word? I no, but okay. stop saying it. Dork. Dork. Bitter. It's a dork. What year is this? Dork. Dork is back. Is dork back? Dork is back. Oh, good to know. I guess whatever old is new again, is that right? Yeah, pretty much. All right, well, good. I'm glad. Dork is back. Welcome back, Dork. Welcome back, Dork. Speaking of Dorks, Mac DeSantis, we have some audio of Donald Trump. Hey, you're not wearing your Harvard sweatshirt today. Good for you. <laughs> as uh, as Joan on social media pointed out, the H could have stood for anything, including Harper. Yeah, or... Hamas. So it's a good thing, which is basically Harvard. So it's a good thing you didn't wear it today. I'm not going to wear the same clothes two days in a row. Well, I have some new Phillies, Phillies gear on order, but in the meantime, I've got my red October shirt on. I got my Phillies hat on, but it's still the red, you know, the bright red. And I told you my rosacea, my nose gets red. And so I don't like it. I, I want to go maroon. Uh, Borowski had a nice maroon hat today. Did you see Big Dan's maroon hat? Me? I didn't see it. No, oh, I actually yeah. didn't see it either. No. Yeah, Big Dan had one. We'll check in with Big Dan and uh, our buddy uh, Attic Anthony in a little bit. They're on their way down to the ballpark tonight, but apparently it's a cluster down there. Yeah, it's already a disaster. That's what they're reporting. So let's understand what's going on in South Philadelphia tonight, just in case you were thinking about it. We have a sold-out crowd for the Phillies Game 2 tonight against the Diamondbacks. We also have... The Philadelphia Flyers, Flyers home opener. Home opener. Flyers home opener, which is at the Wells Fargo Center. Yes, and that's Which at is six. right next to Citizens Bank Park. Yes. At 6 o'clock. The game tonight's at 8.07. But we have the big Philadelphia, uh, the, the Phillies block party, which is happening as we speak. Mm-hmm. All right. Then there's something else going on tonight. Yes. On top of that, at the link, they're playing a soccer match between Mexico and Germany. Oh, well, nobody's going to that. Who the nobody's hell going soccer? to that. But oh, True. you'd be surprised. <laughs> I, I bet they get a good crowd. All right, so Mexico and Germany are playing soccer <laughs> at the link. Yes. All right. So that's By the way, that's the lesser—can we all agree it's the lesser event of the three events tonight? Oh, absolutely. 
I mean, obviously, number one is the Phils in the uh, National League Championship, and then we've got Flyers home opener. Look, you know, we're we, now that we got rid of the coach you didn't like, we got the the whole front office, everything. They, every, they're 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 all pulling the same direction now, which it's it's a nice that nice makes Henry very happy. Yes, they're still going to stink. But they're all pulling the same way now. By the way, I, just for the record, I, I know that I get mocked at this radio station and among the Zeoli Army for not knowing anything about sports. Fair enough. But did I not call it yesterday? Did I not say that Nick Castellanos was going to have an amazing game last night? He did. And he Attic did. Anthony Dorenzo, with his pompous, cocky little attitude, turns around and goes, no, 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 he already had his best time last <laughs> week. He did great last week. Now he's going to, tonight's not going to be that good. And I said, I don't agree with that. I think I think Cassiano's going to have an amazing game. And what did he do the first time up at bat last night? Hit a home run. Hit a home field. run. Bravo. The way he's swinging the bat, man, he's hitting it all all across the field, hitting away pitches away. Ooh, he's dangerous when he does that. So you know, I texted you guys last night. You were on the text chain. I'm not going to say on the air what I said to Dorenzo, but he writes back and goes, "Okay, you were right." But I was right, too. What was he right about? He wasn't right about a damn thing last <laughs> I night. I don't know. I was waiting for you two to litigate that during the show. Today, I lost interest. I, yeah, oh, wait, I, I, yeah, you got to bring it up. I'll bring it up. What was? But do you have any idea what he was talking no, about? No, I wasn't certain. He was wrong about everything. He thought Bryce Harper <laughs> was going to have a bad game because it was his birthday and he was going to be loaded up on cake. Right? He thought that uh, he, he thought that Schwarber was still... I, and, and, and for the record, am I not Nostradamus predicting... That Kyle Schwarber was going to have a repeat of exactly like game one of the National League Championship a year ago, hitting a home run first up at bat. It's 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 incredible. It's almost like Henry told me that before I went on the air (laughs) just to make me look good. I was debating whether or not to give away the secret. (laughs) All smoke and mirrors. But the bottom line is that uh, we will talk to those idiots, I mean those guys very, very soon, whenever they get down there. I don't know what their status is. But knowing the way that Dan drives, they'll be there at about 8.15. Yeah, miss another exit or two. Yeah, driving Miss Daisy over there by the time he gets down to South Philadelphia. I mean, it should take him 10 freaking minutes from here. You go, 76 is right there. We're at the studio. You can get right onto 76, literally right there. I can see it from here. Yeah. And go right down to the to the ballpark. What? Why does this take these guys so long? You can even do back streets. Imagine that. You can go through back streets to get to the stadium. But the way that they go, I don't know, they go through Kansas or something to get there. <laughs> go to Jersey and back. And Dan already started to preface this by going, listen, it may take me a long time to get down there. There's a couple events going on tonight. The Flyers game's at 6, and the uh, soccer matches. It, it, I'm like, what, what does that have to do with anything? <laughs> You're leaving now. It's 4 o'clock in the freaking afternoon. It's actually 3 o'clock when I talk to him. I said, you should be down there by 3.07. So call me at 3.07. Like, what, what, what are you doing? <laughs> You've got all those events, and you have to factor in his wrong turn. And that's true. You have to factor in his wrong turn. Uh, I'm just waiting to hear from them. Uh, Luke Broadway of the New York Times says the following. Jim Jordan and Steve Scalise met after Jordan lost on the first ballot. Jordan asked Scalise for help, but did not receive a pledge to do so, according to a person familiar with the conversation. Scalise and his allies are smarting from the way Jordan supporters undercut Scalise after he won a conference election, but they refused to support him. So still, this is a, this is a, this is a big deal. This is still a, a, a nonsense that's happening here, uh, going on. Um, by, by the way, locally, I just want to let you know, this coming Saturday, October, no, 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 not this Saturday, next Saturday, October 28th, from 9 to 11 a.m., uh, there will be an event in South Jersey to help the Republicans down there who are running 
And here is the the list. Congressman Jeff Van Drew, Jack Chitterelli, 12, 10 a.m., top radio host Rich Zioli, and then radio personality and Save Jersey blogger Matt Rooney. Now, if I had known Rooney was going to be there, I would have declined. <laughs> and see, they didn't tell me that when they asked me to speak. That's going to be Saturday, October 28th from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Free event, free continental breakfast, Republican headquarters in Turnersville, New Jersey, to support the candidates down there for state senate and, uh, and the local, guy, local uh, candidates for, for county and town council as well. So come out and support that rally. Mark your calendar. My buddy Steve Packer-Raduni invited us for this Washington Township Republican organization. That's going to be on Saturday, October 28th, 9 a.m. to 11 a.m., Congressman Jeff Van Drew will be there. Jeff Van Drew has, uh, he is supporting Jim Jordan. He is also coming out and saying that there will be another vote. I hope that Van Drew is able to move some colleagues here. You know, Van Drew has been on fire lately. And if he can help Jordan get over the top, that would be outstanding. So that's the latest on that. Let's turn our attention, shall we, for a moment to former President Donald Trump. Uh, He uh, is taking a stand against the judge's order. And he's saying he's willing to go to jail. I told you yesterday the judge came out and said that he can't say mean things against the special counsel Jack Smith. Can't say mean things against dedicated public servants. Now, literally, the United States Constitution, the First Amendment, is all about saying mean things about dedicated public servants. Whether they are the president, senators, members of Congress, special prosecutors, people that work for the Department of Justice. I mean, technically, everybody in government is a public servant. They've coined that phrase themselves. We don't call them that. They call themselves that. But the First Amendment allows you to go after public servants without fearing that your government's going to punish you. This judge in this case has come out and issued a gag order saying that Trump can't go after these hardworking public servants. Now, you and I both know that most of most public servants are they're quite frankly, they're lazy bums. But regardless, we have a right to criticize them. This is a political prosecution. The government of the United States of America is going after Donald Trump. And they're going after Donald Trump over political speech that they don't like he said. All right. The government of the United States of America is going after him because they don't like the things that he said. And they're not allowing him to respond to that political prosecution, even though he's running for president and has to also campaign in the court of public opinion. So Trump has two tasks before him. He has to campaign in court, literally for his life, because he could die in jail. And I mean, a, a, a trial is a, is a campaign. You got to you got to win over 12 jurors. Got to win over the jury. That's a campaign. It's, it, they bring in campaign consultants, jury experts and people who are forensic experts. It's no different than in any other campaign in life, whether it's a public relations campaign or a political campaign. To win in court is a campaign. Great lawyers will tell you that. Great litigators will tell you that. Some great litigators are some of the best, I'd say, operatives I've ever dealt with in my life. Then Trump also has a political campaign ahead of him where he has to convince voters that he is ready to be president and that these allegations against him are false. But he can't just come out and say they're false because everybody says the allegations are false. He needs to hammer the government. He needs to hammer the special counsel. He needs to go out there and say, these people are doing this against me because they want to stop me from becoming president. Because this is the Department of Justice and the guy in charge of the Department of Justice is Joe Biden. And I am his number one opponent and I'm leading him in the polls 
And so his Department of Justice is coming after me. And now his Department of Justice won't even let me fight back in the court of public opinion. That's what Trump needs to say. And he has every constitutional right to say so. And this is what he said. Cut number one. It's Trump because that's who they're running against. We really want to run against Trump, but they don't. And the way I look at it, we beat him twice. Now we have to beat him a third time. We beat him. We beat the hell out of him the second time. Think of it. Think of it. Think of it. We did much better the second time than we did the first. Remember that. And they're getting beaten very badly by me in the polls. Uh, They think the only way they can catch me is to stop me from speaking. They want to take away my voice. And a judge uh, gave a gag order today. Did you hear that on speech? Which I believe is totally unconstitutional what she did. A judge gave a gag order. A judge doesn't like me too much. Her whole life is not liking me. But uh, she gave a gag order. You know what a gag order is? You can't speak badly about your opponent. But this is weaponry all being done because Joe Biden is losing the election and losing very, very badly to all of us in the polls. He's losing badly. But what they don't understand is that I am willing to go to jail if that's what it takes for our country to win and become a democracy again. Well, good for him. If that's what it takes, because he has to fight. He has to fight. It's important that he does. And this judge is out of her mind. Judge is out of her mind. Imagine this now. You're at a town hall meeting and people ask you questions. They say, uh, all right, I want to, you know, say a person stands up in Iowa. Uh, Mr. President, I have a question for you. Why are they going after you? And he stands up there and says, I can't really say anything, but just know that I'm innocent. What? Why? Well, t- well, explain it to me. Tell me about it. Well, I, I, I can't. I can't. I can't really talk about it. Why won't you? Well, I, I'd love to, but there's a gag order against me. A, he sounds like a total wimp at that moment. And B, it sounds like he's guilty. He doesn't want to get into it. Versus him standing up there and saying, you know why they're going after me? They're going after me because I'm going to win. And they're terrified of me in the deep state. And they know I'm going to come in there with a sledgehammer and hammer these people and hammer their departments. And so they're, they've weaponized the Department of Justice and they're coming after me. And now they're not letting me speak about it. Because this is a political prosecution. That's what he needs to say. And what he needs to say is, and trust me on this, I am innocent. I am innocent because this is a government that is hell-bent on stopping me. And ask yourself why they're stopping me. They're stopping me because I'm getting to them. Because I'm getting to them and I'm exposing the deep state for what it is. And they're terrified of this. And that's why I need you to back me. Versus, well, I'd love to be able to say something, but I can't because the judge said I can't say anything. So just got to trust me. I didn't do it. You see what I mean? That's why it is so completely unfair to put him in this position. It's so completely and utterly unfair. This is also what Trump said. Cut number two. Today, a judge put on a gag order. I'll be the only politician in history that runs with a gag order where I'm not allowed to criticize people. Can you imagine this? Do you believe this? I'm not allowed to criticize people. So we'll see. We'll appeal it and we'll see. But it's, it's so, un, so unconstitutional. The good thing is we have so much support. It's incredible. So, and it just makes it even more so. Look, I'm the only guy that ever got indicted. I got indicted more than Alphonse Capone. Did anyone ever hear of Alphonse? <laughs> Al Capone, if you looked him, if you looked at him the wrong way, he was seriously tough, right? 
Scarface. You know, they call him Scarface. Had a little scar in there. I'm sure it was a minor accident. But he was Scarface. But Al Capone, if you looked at him in the wrong way, if he didn't like you, you looked at him a little bit askance, he blew your brains out. He was only indicted one time. I w I've been invited, I've been indicted four times. And in addition, I have the civil trials that are all coming out of the Justice Department. They've weaponized the Justice Department and the FBI. They've weaponized. Think of it, the Justice Department. This is like a banana republic. But we're going to be okay. The good news is I'm the only one that's ever been indicted where the numbers went through the roof. Because the people understand it. No, it's true. Well, good for him for speaking out. 855-839-1210 on Twitter at Rich Zioli. Uh, listen, my buddy, Dr. Mike Venaria, great guy. I've been telling you about him for a while. Well, mark your calendar because this coming Saturday, not this coming Saturday, but Saturday, November 11th, it is his annual Veterans Day breakfast and every veteran is invited so that he can say thank you. The entire community can come together and say thank you. It is a complimentary veterans breakfast and shredding event taking place Saturday, November 11th, also my son's birthday, at his office in Cinnamonson, New Jersey, 1630 Riverton Road. There'll be coffee and donuts. A, there'll be shredding trucks there to get rid of all the documents you don't want people to find out about. And I have to say, you know, Mama's the only discovered Dr. Mike, and I'm glad she did because he is the master of dental implants for over 10 years. He has received the accolades of his colleagues, earning him the top dentist in New Jersey for 10 consecutive years. A respected master of dental implants, delivering results that surpass expectations. And that's why people travel from all over. Pennsylvania, New Jersey, Delaware, the Jersey Shore, California, Florida, Texas, and yes, Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, like Mama Zioli. Very complicated dental work is his specialty. Complicated dental work. Dental implants. There are all these chain dental offices out there. You got to stay away from those. They're obsessed with costs. They're obsessed with money. Dr. Mike has been obsessed with care. And that's why both of his offices in Cinnamonson and Woodbury, both right over the bridge, you'll find wonderful people who care about you and care about your health and care about your smile. And they will take great care of you. There's great music playing in the office. It really is a very special place. So mark your calendar now for the free Veterans Day celebration, Saturday morning, November 11th, 2023, to Cinnamonson office and make your free dental implant consultation by going to venariadental.com, V-A-N-A-R-I-A, or 856-786-2020, 856-786-2020, venariadental.com. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. All-star closer, Kenley Jansen, we have a question. What's the best podcast of all time? 
Baseball isn't boring, baby. I'm Rob Bradford, and every single day I'm sitting down with the biggest names to show you this great game is the greatest game. It's my podcast. It's my passion. It's a cause I started more than two years ago and is now the most prolific national daily baseball pod there is. Another fact, so jump aboard the B.I.B. Express. Follow and listen to Baseball Isn't Boring, presented by Wasabi Hot Cloud Storage on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. The Zioli Show. On your schedule from Talk Radio 1210 WPHT in the free Odyssey app. As we continue to watch the events developing in Israel right now, there was a barbaric attack, a barbaric terrorist attack at a hospital in Jerusalem. Uh, Prime Minister Netanyahu calling this barbaric. And apparently now there was a meeting that was apparently going to happen between the Egyptian prime minister and Netanyahu. That has been uh, that has been canceled right now. That's the latest. More details are coming in. And Jim Jordan failing on the first ballot vote for the House Speaker race, but still not giving up. Uh, He's going for it, which is good. At 440, we're going to talk to a candidate for Pennsylvania Supreme Court. I've told you in the past why this race matters so much. You remember what the Supreme Court of Pennsylvania did in 2020 when they unconstitutionally, outside of what their power is, They extended the time, the manner, and the place of the election, which is what the legislature is empowered to do under the Pennsylvania Constitution. But the Supreme Court of Pennsylvania in 2020, because COVID, said you can vote days after the polls close. You can mail in your ballot. Doesn't have to have a postmark. Don't worry about it. Send it in. We'll count it. All good. And as a result of that, the election was completely compromised. No matter what you think of 2020, whether you think people who were dead voted, which of course they always do in Philadelphia, Dominion, voting machines, all of it, what we can prove without a question is that the Pennsylvania Supreme Court intervened in that election and affected the outcome by changing the time, the manner, and the place of that election. Instead of saying that all votes had to be in by Tuesday when the polls closed, they said you have until Friday at 5 p.m., 8 p.m., whatever it was. No mail, no, no postmark, don't worry about it. Postmark ineligible, don't worry about it. Just send it in. And so Joe Biden wound up winning Pennsylvania, and it was absolutely unconstitutional. Now, when the efforts were underway in January of 2021 to send the electoral college results back to the states, one of the goals was to have the Pennsylvania legislature remedy that. For that reason that Donald Trump and his attorneys thought, and and and, and several very Smart people who understand the Constitution thought that several states could have their legislatures take a look at the votes. For that reason, Donald Trump is now facing prosecution in federal court. Now, you could deny the election in 2016. You come out and say the Russians did it. The Russians stole the election. You can pull a Jimmy Carter, Hillary Clinton, the Russians, the Russians, the Russians, which you know is a flat out lie. You can say that, but if Trump comes out and says the election was stolen for me in 2020, they charge him with federal crimes and try to put him behind bars. It's outrageous. And this is the problem. This is the problem with everything that's going on in this country right now. And um, it's why Donald Trump is still leading in the polls, because people see it. People see it for what it is, and they stand by him. And that's why his, his uh, I mean, the lead he has in this race, I, I've never seen anything like this before. I've never seen anything like this. Now, I would I would imagine the other candidates should stay in at this point because you never know what's going to happen. Some of them have maybe a chance if something happens to Trump. Others don't need to get off the stage, but he's crushing his competition in the polls. 
News story out in Politico, he's crushing them in the polls and in cash as well. The former president's third quarter fundraising hall just further cements the grip he has on this race. $24.5 million raised during the third quarter is more than double what any of his Republican rivals reported over the same period. And he has more than seven times as much cash on hand than Governor Ron DeSantis. Seven times more cash on hand. Cash on hand is a big deal in politics. You know, cash on hand is what you actually use to buy things. Like, for example, most campaigns run in the red, but people who buy TV and and radio are smart enough to admit the check has to clear. They don't they don't allow radio stations and TV stations will not run an ad unless the check clears. So that money has to be there. So cash on hand is critical. I mean, in other words, you can tell the staff members you'll get your check consultants, people that do. but Smart political operatives who either do mail pieces or do TV and radio, they turn around and they say, before this ad runs, before this mail piece drops, as we call it in the business, which means that they bring it to the post office and it actually goes out, check has to clear. Cash on hand is crucial for that reason. And Trump has seven times more cash on hand than Governor Ron DeSantis, who's in second place. So it's not just the polls, it's also the money battle here, too. I think a big reason for that is, I mean, at this point, if you're a Republican donor and you don't want Trump, at some point you stop throwing good money after bad. At some point you turn around and say, I'm I'm wasting money here giving it to whoever, DeSantis, Nikki Haley, whoever. Maybe somebody else will come along, maybe not, but I'm I'm not going to write checks here. This is, I'm not getting an ROI here. Trump's fundraising momentum is only accelerating. His third quarter number reported in a Sunday night filing with the Federal Election Commission far exceeds the 17.7 million his campaign raised in the second quarter and the 15 million it brought in during the first three months of the year. Whereas he ended the first quarter with about $14 million in, his, in, in the bank, his campaign now has about $40 million in the bank. You see, every prosecution against him, every time they go after him, every gag order, every prosecution, whether it's in New York, whether it's in Georgia, whether it's at the federal level on two fronts, he just raises more money. Now, you would think these idiots would realize that at some point and just leave the guy alone. But they keep going after him, and every time they go after him, he just raises more money. This is a political anomaly. I mean, you, you, you look at this and you go... How does this happen? How are people this stupid in politics where they turn around and they go, let's keep coming after the guy. And then the guy, his first quarter raises 15 million. The second quarter, he raises over 20 million. Third quarter raises close to $40 million. It keeps just accelerating, doubling. Dave Carney, a veteran Republican consultant, said all the political elites want him to run out of money and keep hoping something bad is going to happen. And he just continues to chug along and improve. And without any clarity on the alternative across six or seven people right now, he's just going to continue to roll forward. Remember something, too, the other debate that's coming up, which is sponsored by NBC News, it's going to take place in Miami, I believe, coming up at the end of the month. Uh, he's not going to be on that stage, nor should he be. If he can't answer the charges against him, 
when people like Chris Christie are going to raise a tax at him, if he, if he really can't say anything because of this gag order, he shouldn't be there. But he should also shouldn't be there for another reason, too. And that reason is because Donald Trump would go on stage with a bunch of losers who have uh, far less cash than you do. And you are you have a 50 point lead in the polls. It would be political malpractice for any political consultant to suggest to him he should be on that stage. Political malpractice, which is why he's not going to be on that stage. I mean, I've never seen numbers like this before. That's why I keep telling you he's going to be the nominee. There's nothing that's going to stop that short of him dying. Nothing. Nothing. I mean, nothing. There's nothing that's going to stop that short of him dying. It doesn't matter if he's in jail. In fact, I think if he's in jail, he raises more money. I think, in other words, if, if he defies this judge's gag order, which he's going to do, and the judge issues a bench warrant against him and puts him in jail, I think he raises more money. I think that if tomorrow, if Georgia found him guilty and put him in a, in a Georgia state penitentiary, he'd raise more money. Every time they come after him, the checks roll in and his poll numbers go up. That's not me saying that. That's just what the political reality is. 855-839-1210 on Twitter at Rich Zioli. Thursday night, we are live at Parks Casino. It's going to be another show. And these shows we co-host always sell out at Parks Casino Club 360. And here's another chance for you to come out and join me for a night of laughter for Joe Conklin's comedy night at Parks Casino. Thursday, October 19th, two nights from now, 8 p.m. So the Phillies game's at 5. You can watch the game at Chickies and Pizza Parks Casino, get some crab fries. They have a uh, whole area in the back you can watch the games. And then come over and join us for the comedy show at 8 o'clock. Kevin Downey Jr. is going to be there. Marion Groden, she's hysterical. By the way, Kevin Downey Jr. is going to be on the show later today. Tickets are just 20 bucks. They include your first drink. Doors open at 7 p.m. All you got to do is go to parkscasino.com slash comedy. Parkscasino, P-A-R-X, parkscasino.com slash comedy. You must be 21. And we're going to have a great time. But you have to buy your tickets in advance because the shows always sell out. Get there early. Your fellow Zioli Army members will be there. Everybody's going to be there early watching the game. I'll be there watching the game. Well, I mean, I'll get there as soon as the show ends, obviously. And then we'll take the stage and we'll have a lot of fun. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. See you Thursday night. Thanks for listening to the Seoli Show podcast from Talk Radio 1210 WPHT and the Odyssey app. Oh, yeah, we are. Absolutely. 855-839-1210. The next vote for speaker will not be until 6 p.m. Good news is we'll be on the air so we can bring you the latest on that. They are awaiting for a member to return from a funeral. Uh, So it's looking like it's going to be a close one. We'll keep you posted on that. Welcome back to the show. Glad you're here. 855-839-1210. Very happy to welcome to the show her first time here. Judge Carolyn Carluccio is a judge of the Montgomery County Court of Common Pleas in Pennsylvania. And she is a candidate for the Pennsylvania Supreme Court. Your Honor, thank you for joining me. Rich, it's certainly my pleasure. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. This is a really important election, and I want to talk about the election, obviously. But since I've never had you on the show before, let's (laughs) talk about you, Carluccio. So, uh, Italian? Yeah, I'm a little Italian there, I have to say. Even though Carluccio is my married name, my maiden name is Tornetta. Um, so I think I have it covered from every angle. My my dad's first generation Italian. Now, my mother is Irish, so I've got a little bit of both in me, uh, which I'm sure a lot of your listeners can relate to that <laughs> Italian-Irish mix. It's a great it mix. Has, it's a great mix. Thank you. 
Yeah, my wife's Irish, so I mean, I, I think the Italians and the Irish get along very, very well. Yes, they do. And they make good babies, I think. And they <laughs> raise people with good morals and good values. Now, is it gravy or sauce? It's gravy for us. Gravy, even if there's no meat in it? Even if there's no meat in it. Well, actually, we have caught it sauce, but we, we end, I'm Sicilian. Yeah. <laughs> Well, then I, I won't cross you then since you're a Sicilian. See, you know, that's I, very smart. Yeah, very smart. I, I'm Southern Italian. I, I get it. I understand. Uh, now, you are a, a judge in the Court of Common Pleas. And, and for those that don't understand what that process is, what is what does a judge in the Court of Common Pleas do? OK, so that's the trial level. So we hear everything from murder down, you know, all kinds of criminal cases, family court divorces, custody, orphans court, civil cases, um, pretty much everything that comes through the court systems go through the courts of common pleas. I've been on that bench for 14 years in Montgomery County, and two years ago I was unanimously elected by all the judges on my bench, which are 24 judges, to be the president judge. And why I think that's really important for this race in particular is that my bench has more Democrats on it than Republicans. And they all chose me over the other Democrats running because they wanted somebody that they knew could get the job done. And they were able to put politics aside and put the person in there that could really clean things up. And that's exactly what I did, Rich. I got in there and we had a backlog that was unheard of in both the civil and criminal divisions. And I'm happy to tell you that in a little bit more than a year, I was we were on the front page of the legal intelligencer saying that Montgomery County has the smallest civil inventory that they've had in over a decade. Um, and I accomplished that in a little over a year. So I'm really proud of that. Um, and I'm still working on it. But we've done some really great things since, since I've been president judge. Well, that's good. You should be very proud of that. that that's excellent. That That's the kind of efficient government that we need. And, and I'm glad to hear that. Now, the Pennsylvania Supreme Court, I, I, I can't stress this enough to people. I mean, New Jersey, the Supreme Court justices are, are appointed by the governor, nominated by the governor. Pennsylvania, mm-hmm. they're elected. And we saw a lot of controversy in 2020 around the Pennsylvania Supreme Court. This is a race that's a little bit under the radar right now. It's, you know, it, it doesn't get the attention that statewide races should get. But I think this is an, an essential race. I think that every single person who's eligible to vote needs to come out on Election Day and vote. Tell us why you decided to run for the Supreme Court. Well, it wasn't something that was on my radar. Uh, it, it kind of appeared in some ways that I seemed to be the right person for this position. And the more that I became involved in this, I was convinced that I really could win this race and I needed to win it for the people of the Commonwealth because there's a real distinction between me and my opponent. And I think that distinction says it all. And the people in this Commonwealth deserve a justice on the Supreme Court that understands their role. And the role of a justice or any judge is to apply the law. We are not to write the laws. I firmly reject judicial activism, which is what my, you know, my opponent says he believes the Constitution is a living document and that he has the will to change it if need be. And that's certainly not what a judge's role is. And I would reject that. Um, this is more important than ever. People tend not to want to vote in judge races. They say they don't know the judges. They don't think they impact them. Well, we could not be, it could not be more impactful um, if you own a business, if you work in this community, if you breathe the air in the community. Um, we've seen, you know, redistricting. We've seen so many results of the Supreme Court, um, voting rights, just everything ends up there. And it's essential that we get somebody on the Supreme Court that 
has integrity, that has a proven track record of following the law, and I'm that person. I love that. I love what you just said about interpreting the law and not writing law from the bench. I think that is so critical. The Constitution is not a living, breathing document. It's quite dead. And the the job of a judge is to interpret the law as as intended, as written, uh, as what the original intent was. So I, I, I'm, I'm thrilled to hear you say that, Judge Carolyn Carluccio. Thank you. When you think about it, though, a lot of people, they think uh, Supreme Court, well, I mean, what kind of issues are you really going to face? But I mean, some of the issues that come before the Pennsylvania Supreme Court, in addition to what happened in 2020 with the election, and we've we've talked a lot about that on this program, obviously, I mean, it made national news. I mean, the Pennsylvania Supreme Court is going to be dealing with some 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 very, very critical issues. And I, I know that as a candidate for judge, you, you it's, it's a little tricky, right, because you, you, you don't know what cases are going to come before you. And so you can't really specifically comment on mm-hmm. certain things. But I think the guiding philosophy here is is what's key. I couldn't agree more. I mean, obviously, I can't talk about how I would roll in certain cases, but I can tell you firmly and tell the people that are listening that I will follow our law, that I will make sure the law is constitutional, and then I will apply it. And there are plenty of times where I probably won't like the law, but my job is going to be to apply it, and that's what I'm going to do. And you're going to know what to expect from me and from conservative judges, because we do follow the law, and we do not on whim change the law because maybe we're not happy with it today, because that's when our democracy is really at risk. When people start doubting the integrity of the judges, their ability to apply the law, we have some serious issues. Oh, I, I completely agree. I think you make an excellent Supreme Court justice, and I, I, I really hope you win. I, I think there's a lot of people out there who are rooting for you and cheering for you. I just need to make sure that they all get out and vote for you. And so to that That's- end, how do we make sure that that happens? What, what do we need to do to get you over the finish line? So so you've just hit the nail on the head. We have to get people to vote. We've got to make sure they either get to the polls on November 7th or, more importantly, fill out the mail-in ballot applications. They're there. They're available now. They are secure. They can You can follow up to make sure your vote gets in there. You'll know it counts. That's kind of banking your vote, we're saying it these days, is get it in there. And that way, if something comes up, if you're not feeling well, um, if you don't feel like going out on election day, you don't have to. Your vote's already in there and already counts. The Democrats have got that down to a well-oiled machine, and we better start playing that game and better learn how to use it. Um, I cannot impress upon people enough how important it is to get those votes in. If you have children who are in school and away at college, get their mail-in ballots in. There's a simple way to do it. You go on votespa.org, I believe, is the website, and you can get the mail-in ballot application. All you need is a copy of their driver's license and where to send it, and you can apply for the application for them. Um, And that's the way to do it, and that's what we need. The more people you reach out to, the better it is for all of us. I like how on your website you, you mentions how you are highly recommended by the Pennsylvania Bar Association. You've earned the endorsement of the Republican Party of Pennsylvania. Republicans need to, to, to do exactly what you just said. There's, there's nothing wrong with mail-in ballots. The Democrats have figured this out. They figured this game out. Whatever hesitation people have, there's, there's absolutely nothing wrong with a mail-in ballot. And you, I think we need to, I think Republicans need to step up their game on this. I think it's, it's critical it has to happen now. It has to happen in 2024. I had Scott Pressler on the show last week, and I know oh. Scott's out there campaigning for you as well. And Scott He's made a great, great point. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. 
No, he's been wonderful. I have to say, to have him as a supporter is really it, it's surprising and it's wonderful. And he's pushing those mail-in ballots, and he's getting people registered. Um, he's been a great advocate for all of us Republicans in Pennsylvania. You're a former federal prosecutor, and obviously here in Philadelphia, I mean, crime is a, is a major issue for people. Um, it's a major issue everywhere in this country right now. As a former federal prosecutor, what do you think in terms of what you can bring to the bench uh, from from that perspective as well? Look, I did that for nearly nine years, and I prosecuted some really bad cases. I did bank robberies. I did gun cases. I did large-scale drug cases. I traveled throughout the country prosecuting cases. I know how to handle people that belong in jail, and I know how to get them there. I understand how to keep our community safe, and that is so imperative right now that we have people in in on the courts that understand that our communities need to be safe that our we need to feel comfortable where we live where we work where we shop where we socialize and right now people are not feeling safe in those areas and something needs to be done about it because if we don't stop that now it's only going to get worse i agree and without mentioning any names we have some some rogue district attorneys out there who uh have a much different view of the law than than you do and some of those cases may come to you on appeal, and, 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 and I'm glad to have that perspective from, uh, from a Supreme Court justice. I think that's really critical for people to know. Thank you. I, I'm, I'm really proud of that background. And also, you know, I was the first female chief public defender in our county, so I don't want to you know, ignore that because what that's done is brought, brought me great balance, that I understand there's constitutional rights afforded. Those Absolutely. Right. And I'm going to honor that also. There's a balance there, and we need to find that balance and apply it effectively. I agree with you 100%, Judge Carolyn Carluccio, because making sure that our civil rights, our constitutional rights are protected is essential. Uh, We've seen too often, unfortunately, where the government has assumed guilt of people who are innocent before the eyes of the law, and everybody deserves that uh, and deserves their day in court. And so respecting the constitutional rights of people who've been accused is, is also absolutely essential. That balance is 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 key uh very fundamental I'm, I'm glad you said that so thank you you're welcome your website is judge carluccio.com c-a-r-l-u-c-c-i-o.com judge carluccio.com uh this is a chance now for people to get out there and vote for you i hope they do is there anything else you'd like to tell people where they can look at you follow you and and uh, facebook twitter anything like that all of the above. Yes, it's all at Judge Carluccio. It's on Twitter. It's on Facebook. It's on Instagram. Um, follow us. Take a look at where we've been and what we've been doing. I've been everywhere in this Commonwealth. I've been to every county twice, three, four times. And I'm out there because I think it's important to meet the people where they are, to let them know that I care about every single vote, every place where people are. Um, it's a beautiful it's a beautiful state. And I wouldn't have known that otherwise. And people are struggling. And it's important that they know that I care. So I've been out there doing that. So please follow me. Um, reach out on the website. We'd love to hear from you. When you go to all these state fairs around the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania, have you, is there any particular food that's really stuck out at you that you've had to eat? That, like, well, I heard fried butter, one thing which amazed me. Fried, deep fried butter. I, 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 like, I'm craving that at some point in my life. Yeah, I can't say I share that craving. <laughs> I, I, the only thing that, you know, being from, from the southeast here, in Pittsburgh, they put french fries and everything, sandwiches, salads. Yeah. Um, that, that kind of threw me a little bit for a loop. I've had a lot of great food. I've had walking tacos and a lot of the fairs. Um, I try everything everywhere. Uh, I think that's part of the fun of it. You've got to eat it all. And I have certainly enjoyed myself in that regard on the campaign trail. Now, is there anything you'd like to say tonight before the Phillies game? 
Oh, go Phils. I'm going to listen. I'm going to be in the event, but I'm going to be listening in the car on the way home. We listen all the time. I would miss it. They're, they're, they're awesome. And you know what? I was, well, I, I feel like I have a lot in common with them. We're fighting. We are going to fight till the end. <laughs> I'm going to fight with them. So yeah, I'm proud of them. I love the spirit. Let's have you back on before the election. Okay. I, I really want to help you here. And I think, I think you do a great job. So we're rooting for you. Judge Carolyn Carluccio for Pennsylvania Supreme Court. JudgeCarluccio.com. Thank you. Best of luck. We will talk again to you very soon. I will talk to you soon. Thanks so much. Go Phils. Go Phils. Absolutely. Go Phils. Okay. Uh, 855-839-1210 is our number. We got 30 minutes of nonstop talk coming up straight ahead for you. Before I switch it over to that and we check in with our guys at the ballpark, NJDiet.com is going to help you lose 40 days 40 days to lose 20 to 40 plus pounds, guaranteed. Just say it with me. 40 days to lose 20 to 40 plus pounds. You will lose a contractually guaranteed 20 to 40 plus pounds in only 40 days with NJ Diet. They use your hair, your saliva, and your blood work, along with scans to personalize natural solutions and supplements that get you and your body into the fat-burning zone. That fat-burning zone is everything. That's where the magic happens, and it's how you keep the weight off as well. And NJ Diet uses DNA info to help you keep the weight off so it doesn't come back. Look, this is the time of year now. Somebody said the other day, they made a great comment. They said, you know, the the playoffs are great, but our diet (laughs) during the playoffs may not be ideal. I get it. And the holidays are coming too. But NJ Diet can help you with one phone call. You just have to reach out to them today at 855-5-NJ-DIET or go to njdiet.com. There's absolutely no shots, no hormones, no surgery, and locations are close by in King of Prussia, Newark, Delaware, and Cherry Hill, New Jersey. 40 days to lose 20 to 40 plus pounds, guaranteed, guaranteed weight loss with njdiet.com. So do it today, njdiet.com. Rich Zioli, weekday afternoons, 3 to 7, Talk Radio 1210, WPHT, and on the free Odyssey app. WPHT, WPHT, HD, WOGL, HD3, Philadelphia. From the Cherry Hill Volvo Studios, where relationships matter. Always live on the free Odyssey app. The revolution will be broadcast. This is the next generation of talk. Now, this is the drive at 530 minutes of non-stop talk with Rich Zioli. We are awaiting the next vote for Speaker of the House of Representatives at 556 uh, o'clock like that tonight. Jim Jordan still in the running, still fighting this out. And hopefully when this Republican member of Congress returns from a funeral... He's from Florida. We can put Jim Jordan over the top. Welcome back to the show. Glad you're here today. 855-839-1210 on Twitter at Rich Zioli. There is a hospital uh, in Gaza that was blown up today, it seems. A lot of victims. And uh, apparently now in the Gaza Strip, it seems as if Hamas hit this hospital itself. Although Hamas is that, excuse me, not blaming Israel for this. So we'll follow this for you. But Netanyahu was saying terrorists hit the Gaza hospital uh, not the IDF, not the Israeli Defense Force. We'll continue to uh, keep our eyes on that as the the show goes on today. 
Uh, and the speaker race, which is the number one big story. But we're also, of course, waiting for our fightings to take the field tonight. 8.07 p.m. is the first pitch. We'll check in with our buddies down at the ballpark in just a moment of time. Uh, I do want to mention to you, though, you know, when we're, we're thinking about all the stories of uh, what's going on, Nikki Haley, I, I, have, I am no fan of Nikki Haley. And so Donald Trump has this massive lead over all the other candidates, obviously. And Ron DeSantis is in a very, very, very distant second place. In terms of money, in terms of support, everything. But Nikki Haley, in my mind, would be a disaster. And I I really hate the fact that the Republican establishment is rallying around her now, thinking that DeSantis doesn't have a chance. Nikki Haley, in my mind, is a warmonger. And I think she's also a typical politically correct Republican. She came out and she wants to take Gaza refugees, Gazan refugees into the United States. I I think she said something like 10,000 or something like that. And Governor Ron DeSantis was on NBC News talking about this and he reacted to this. And I I do agree with his point on what uh, he's saying regarding Nikki Haley on this point. Uh, Cut number three. In Gaza, they teach the kids to hate Jews. If you look at the textbooks, Israel is not on the map of the Middle East. And so this is embedded in the culture. I think it's a very toxic culture. I think that's part of the reason Gaza turned to Hamas. And the idea, you know, they elected Hamas and there's a lot of support for Hamas there. So that's a very toxic culture. And I worry about importing that to our country. And this was really bracing for me to watch when the blood wasn't even dry off these Israeli citizens who were victimized by Hamas, you had people in our own country celebrating Hamas. Now, look, you can have different views on Middle East politics. It's a free country. But to go out and celebrate them lobbing off the heads of babies and doing what we're doing in some of our major cities, that was really, really bracing. And honestly, it it brought me back to memories. One of the searing memories I have from September 11th, 2001 is almost the entire world came together to condemn what had happened, staying with America. The people that were cheering, though, there were Palestinian Arabs cheering on the streets of the West Bank and Gaza. Well, and that was condemned by a lot of folks. And and someone like Nikki Haley, for example, has condemned that. She's very pro-Israel, but she's taken a slightly more Nikki Haley, look, I get it. Nikki Haley would import people. That's been her her position. I get that. She wants to. That's not necessarily her stance, but she says. Well, I I would not import. I would not import. Humanity potentially in in the folks that are. But you also have to speak the truth. And the truth is, in Gaza, it's a dysfunctional, toxic society, in part because they teach young people to hate Jews. That is endemic to their culture. And, you know, we've been dealing with this issue. I remember in Congress, people tried to defund some of the money going to the textbooks. But it is really, really bad. And so you just have to understand that. And it doesn't mean that they're all members of Hamas. But what it does mean is that's not something you want to import into the United States. So that's where you differ from from your opponent, Nikki Haley, there. you you. I'm willing to speak the truth. She's trying to be politically correct. She's trying to please the media and people on the left. Uh, I don't care about that. I'm going to speak the truth and let the chips fall where they may. Now, a Haley campaign spokesman is saying that Ron DeSantis is lying and says that she would never, ever bring refugees in to the United States of America. She said uh, it's really outrageous that DeSantis and his online minions are straight up lying about Nikki Haley. Um, I, you know, look, I, I don't know. I mean, it, from from my mind, if I got to make a choice between DeSantis and Haley, I'm, I'm picking DeSantis. I still think Trump's going to be the nominee, but I, I, I really don't 
like Nikki Haley. I, I mean, I can't stress that enough. I, I just think I think that she would be a disaster for the Republican Party. I think she's just the old school Republican mentality that we have to be against. And uh, look, think about it from this perspective, right? I, she, I, I get that she has a right to run for president. I, I understand that. I, I have a hard time, though, with a person who was Donald Trump's U.N. ambassador running against the guy that made her U.N. ambassador. And I, I understand politics. I understand how it works. But there's also something about loyalty here. And I, I have a problem with it. I think Nikki Haley would keep us in Ukraine. I think Nikki Haley would keep funding Ukraine. I think Nikki Haley would would get us further involved in these uh, in foreign entanglements that we don't need. We just don't need for the United States of America. And she's bringing over fundraisers from DeSantis. There was a story from ABC News that Nikki Haley nabbed a fundraiser from a Republican donor who previously supported DeSantis. This is this is what's happening right now. This is what's happening. I mean, the Republican establishment, the anti-Trump Republican establishment is saying, "Okay, DeSantis can't get it done. So we got to We got to we got to surround ourselves with Haley. And I think that that tells you everything you need to know right now. That, That tells you everything you need to know. And she doesn't like Vivek Ramaswamy. And I, I know that, you know, Vivek Ramaswamy and her, she they got into it over the issue of banning TikTok. But a, a president of the United States, in my mind, who comes out, a candidate for president and, and, and wants to take away the right of Americans to use a social media app as a main priority to secure us against China, while at the very same time being willing to expand America's presence around the world militarily. It, that's just window dressing is what that is. Like acting like the United States is going to be secure if kids can't go on TikTok. But at the same time, we're going to we're going to we're going to spread America's resources so thin and so wide across the world in order to make America seem strong that I think it's a it's a it's a terrible approach. I really do. I think it's a terrible approach. And and unfortunately, the other problem here. That, that you have to deal with with Nikki Haley is that I think that she's, well, I think she's two-faced. I mean, she was a Trump supporter and until it was not convenient anymore. And she went after Trump for calling Hamas very smart. Look, <clears throat> Hannibal Lecter is very smart. And a lot of serial killers are very smart. A lot of brutal dictators are very smart. Uh, Lenin was smart. Stalin was smart. It's not a compliment to say somebody's smart. Smart does not denote necessarily a positive or negative. There are smart people out there who are absolute a-holes. And there are smart people out there who are great people. Being of high intelligence does not denote anything about your character. It doesn't. To say that Hamas is smart doesn't mean that you like Hamas. I mean, that's just ridiculous. There are very, very smart, diabolical people in this world. They're of high intelligence. You know, there was somebody once said a long time ago, they said, you know, the difference between a serial killer and a CEO is very, very thin in terms of their uh, of of, of, their their sociopathic tendencies to say that, you know, to then go after Trump and attack him because he said he, he called Hamas very smart as if in some way that's a compliment or he's praising Hamas or or Hezbollah. That's just. It, 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 it's so insulting and demeaning to my level of intelligence that I have a hard time with that. I really do. It's a cheap political shot. It's a cheap shot. What do you think when they're prosecuting somebody who's, say, the leader of organized crime or the leader of a Mexican drug cartel or a serial killer? 
And do you think they sit around and they just take it for granted, like, well, pff, you know, dummy? Or do they sit around and go, this is a very smart person. We have to have a good strategy here to make sure that we, we find this person guilty. Unfortunately, there are very, very smart people in this world who do very bad things, that do very evil things. And part of what it helps them achieve the evil that they do is the fact that they are of high intelligence. And sometimes there are organizations that operate with high intelligence, which is why they're able to get away with it for as long as they do. And, the, you know, your average criminal on the street, for example, who's carjacking tonight may not be part of a of a larger international carjacking ring. That guy may be a dummy, but the organization itself may be very smart in what they're doing to carjack and send these cars overseas. In no way is that a compliment for the work that they do. It's a it's a way to understand and beat them. You have to figure out how to beat them. You got to figure out how to strategize around that. But I, 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 I really I have a hard time when people come out and attack people for saying things like that as if as if the word smart is in and of itself a compliment. I mean, it, it is in the sense that, yeah, it's better to be smart than dumb, but it doesn't say anything about your character. I mean, they're, they're, it, it says nothing about your character. Sadly, very smart people get away with doing very bad things because they're smart. And dumb people who do bad things are typically the first ones who get caught. But Nikki Haley made a big deal about that. And that's another problem that I have with her, you know, going after Trump over that as if Donald Trump was in some way trying to praise Hezbollah or Hamas. Like, stop. Give me a break. And enough. Don't insult my intelligence here. 855-839-1210 on Twitter at Rich Zioli. Um, Speaking of that, here is. Let me uh, share with you this other clip here. I'm going to talk a little bit to our friend Liz Wolf from Reason.com. But I want to play for you this Cornell University professor named Russell Rickford, who was speaking about the Hamas terror attacks. In just a minute, I'm going to play you what, what he said so that you can hear this. But before I do that, it's a good night for us tonight. It's, it's Tuesday night. The weather's looking good, and the fills are going to take the field 8.07 p.m. So 8.07 p.m. tonight, we will be first pitch. And I already see a sea of red, so let me turn to the other side with my guys, my men, Big Dan and Anthony Dorenzo. What's up, guys? How you doing, man? We are doing fantastic after a nice trip in traffic. It is very busy down here. So if you're heading down to the ballpark, there's so much going on, Rich. So just real quick, a quick rundown. 6 o'clock, Flyers home opener. 8 o'clock, Germany takes on Mexico over at the link. And then 8.06, you have right here the Phillies. The Phillies out playing the Diamondbacks in game two, Rich. There's so much camaraderie down here, and there's so many people down here already, man. It's unbelievable. I love it, Dan. I love it. All right, so let's talk first of all about last night's game Dorenzo you were wrong <laughs> and I was right we were both kind of right How Bryce, you- Bryce got his Bryce got his birthday home run I predicted that everybody uh, predicted and, that every hundred percent of people predicted that Bryce would get his birthday home run that's not what I, we're talking I say, about I'm surprised Cassie got a fifth in four games that's crazy I mean he's on an absolute tear right now All right, that's, now, that's, I, I have I'm, witnesses I'm here Henry and Matt DeSantis and Dan are my witnesses did you not say last night Dorenzo when I said to you that 
Nick Cassianos <laughs> was going to have an amazing yes. night, and you go, oh, no, I think he had a great time last week. I don't think he's going to do so good this time I didn't around. say that. That's what you, you can, said. Pull the tape. Pull the tape. I said we will need people like Schwarber and Boehm to step up because it's going to be hard for him to oh, maintain This is spin that. with this. this. is insulting my intelligence now. <laughs> you guys heard it. What did he say yesterday? What, I, what did Rich, he say? Rich, that quote you just laid and that impersonation, it's spot on. Right? I thought Anthony was saying that himself <laughs> again. This yeah. is collusion. Collusion. <laughs> Classic. I think Nick Castellanos had his great game last week. He's going to stink <laughs> this week. He's not going to be able to step up. and He's going to be asleep at the switch. And he's gonna, and then and then the minute he got up to the plate, what did he do? Do what I sound that depressing? I don't think I sound that depressing on the air. It's just the Attic Anthony voice that we've all known <laughs> since the early days of COVID. <laughs> Come oh on. Oh, my God. No, but you're right. He 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 proved me wrong. He proved me wrong. He he had he, he had a nice dinner and we all enjoyed it. Now, how do we feel about Zach Wheeler's pitching last? Right, night? hold on, hold on, Rich. I'll yes, give you yeah. what you're fishing for. Great call, man. You predicted that leadoff <laughs> homer from Schwarber. <laughs> I know what you're fishing for, man. It was a fantastic call on your end, brother. Bravo, bravo. <laughs> Thank bravo. you. I, I also, for the record, for the record, predicted that Kyle Schwarber would also first time at the bat hit a home run just like he did first game of the National League Championship one year ago. Did I not make you're, that prediction? You're on the money, Rich. Boom. And you call yourself not a sports guy. I don't know where that comes from. <laughs> Listen, I'm going to WIP morning starting tomorrow, just for the record. It's a big announcement today on the show. Hey, so at YouTube.com slash at 1210WPHT, what we do all the time, or every time there's a Phillies home game, we are out here live, Citizens Bank Way, man. You can tune in, YouTube.com slash at 1210WPHT. You can see Rich, you can see Henry, Matt, me, uh, Anthony, and you can come out here to Citizens Bank Way and hop on the stream with us. So like and subscribe. I, I would really appreciate that, Rich. And I am psyched, man. But I, there, there's one note about tonight's game that I'm going to get in with Anthony on the stream. It's uh, Boehm still hitting uh, at four. I, I don't know if I'd make that decision, man. I think Castellano should be moving up to that number four spot. Uh, we'll I talk agree. about that a little bit more. But, uh, Anthony, you too? I don't know. I don't think you mess with a good thing. They're still winning, and and uh, I, I like Cassianos to kind of give the lineup that pop after you have Harper and Schwarber early on there. So I don't know. I, I don't you, necessarily man. think we have to mess with it yet. I'm with you there. You're, Henry agrees with you, but he agrees. You leave it the way it is. You leave Alec Bohm where he is. The, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. All right, don't ain't broke, yeah. don't fix it. Uh, how do we feel Zach Wheeler's pitching was last night? He made it to six innings. I thought that was pretty good. I think he did everything he could and more. Uh, if he continues to pitch the way he is on top of what we saw from Nola and, I mean, the rest of the entire squad, even Kimbrell last night, um, I mean, people were concerned about Sir Anthony. But regardless, I don't think we talk about our pitching enough. If they continue this, uh, the, the Phillies are in a very, very good spot moving forward. All right, so who's starting pitching tonight? Uh, we have Aaron Nola tonight. Starting Aaron Nola on the starting mound. pitching tonight. This is good. I'm I'm very very happy. Um, apparently there's an echo of, of me on the stream. I just got the word from the corporate show. Oh, is there? I can fix that right now. Sorry about that. Slash co-host of Kale and Company. Slash executive producer there of Kale and Company. I got slash it. brand manager. Slash program director. The guy's got a lot of titles. <laughs> slash uh, echo. <laughs> Uh, echo aficionado. Yeah, echo aficionado. Echo moderator. Right. <laughs> Commenters, let me know if we're good now. We should be good now. Please. please. Uh, so, you Team know, effort. I like Alec Boehm a lot. I do. He's a nice guy. Met him in public at Kyle Schwarber's neighborhood block party. Uh, really nice guy. His wife's pregnant. You know, he seems like a decent guy. 
And I think tonight's going to be a good night for him. I got a good feeling about it. But I still got to say, the kid, the, the person who still is stealing the show is uh, is Castellano's son. I mean, is that kid not like the man or what? He's so, huh? he's so cute, man. It's, it's awesome to see him out there. And he's going to have memories the rest of his life, Rich, just watching his father. And imagine if that kid makes it onto a baseball field one day, the stories that they're going to be told. It's, it's an amazing story to see. Well, and to those points, Rich, I, I know you were here in 08 when the Phillies won it. And I... I don't want to take anything away from that team. That's my childhood team. But from Castellanos and his son to just the camaraderie you see in this locker room and how united and, and hungry this Phillies team is, like, I, I just – I really do feel like this is almost – like, it's it's the most embodiment Philly Phillies team I feel like I've ever seen. They really do embody the city, and they have that passion and energy we always kind of demand. I got distracted by a beautiful woman in overalls who just walked by. <laughs> uh, what's with the overalls? Yeah. For people that don't know, what's oh, with the overalls? Oh, they're great. They're great. It's a new. Th- I guess there's this new company called Fuco doing them. Uh, they've been sending them out. I know some of our WIP hosts got them, and uh, they've been walking around, just kind of showing everyone you can buy them at the team store. And ever since, I don't know what was it after I, the wild card, right? Yeah. Well, they, they started selling them yeah. like a month or two before that, and they just took yeah, off once the wild start? card round got here. Who started wearing overalls? Overalls and it became a thing is Garrett my Stubbs. question. Yeah, yeah. Stubbs. yeah. Stubbs. Yeah. Yeah. first. Yeah. Hmm. I don't know. Yeah. I, hey. I, I I don't know how I feel about it. I guess I like. I it. would wear them. I definitely. Uh, I would bring yeah. them. Uh, yeah, I want a pair. Why yeah. not? I'd wear them. Would you rock them in the attic, Anthony? You'd rock the uh, the overalls. <laughs> I'll wear them to work. I'll bring them into work. Why not? Uh, all right. So then we got so because I know that yesterday you guys were talking at the end of the show and I turned it over to you, which I'm going to do again today at the end of this show. You were talking about awesome. some some Vogue article about the Phillies fashion or something, right? <laughs> yeah, that actually came up. Uh, they, they made Vogue and they were pretty much breaking down the trend of loving slicking back their hair and the not shying away from jewelry and their embracing of Bryce gender Harper, neutral. Bryce who leads in all things has ushered in an era of unprecedented flair. Yeah, <laughs> with gender neutral overalls and everything. So we made Vogue, so I, I think that's a good sign. The Phillies are just totally mainstream. And they even mentioned Jack Fritz. That man's getting mentioned in literally everything now, ever, ever since the whole Trey Turner stuff. Well, so. let me ask you this question too, and this is uh, an important point about uh, last night's game. Since we talked about Kyle Schwarber. He came alive last night, and he needed to, and and as I predicted, he would. By the way, for the record, I want to say this right now, and you guys are my witnesses, and everybody knows this. Do we all agree at the start of the season that the Phillies, they were they stunk, right? We all agree with this? Yeah. Yeah, they I stunk, mean, right? No, just yes. Yeah. Just slow say start. yes. They were a slow start. I'm not looking at debate. Just say yes. <laughs> Yes. This is what they yes. do every. I didn't expect them to oh, to go. stink See, though. I knew I knew they'd be in the playoffs. I've been Lorenzo going down the stadium all season long. All right, I've been watching. Oh my god! It's like the morning show all over. You know, really right? It's like yeah. I just wanted you to just say yes, they stunk. Because my point is, if you guys remember, is <laughs> the only army did a, did a road trip to see the Phillies take on the Nats with fans of Philly. Do you remember that? Uh, this is what you're, you're making it all about you. I forgot. I'm making it all about the talk radio 1210 WPHD audience, Dorenzo. The Phillies were stinking until we went to see the Phillies take on the Nats uh, in D.C. We took, what, four busloads of fans down there. And ever since then, they have been winning, and now we're looking towards the World Series. I mean, I'm just saying. Power is the so only Jack army. So Jack Fritz is Power getting a lot of credit for this. 
Yeah, well, Jack's getting a lot of credit for the turnaround. He's actually in these like locker room, the clubhouse for these celebrations. I think Rich Zioli should be in yeah. the clubhouse for these celebrations. Yeah, it's a good point. We haven't even thought about this, but the Rich Zioli factor yeah. is that more impactful than the Jack Fritz standing ovation factor. I, we need to, might that. Be, we need to tell be. WIP. Yeah, we need to get this poll started and, and get our listeners. Here, guys, into turn on your camera in your studio for a second, if you could, just real quick for me. Uh, we're at Matt DeSantis and, and Henry R. You see that big face right there behind? That should be in the Phillies locker room right now. They should all should be. They should all be be thanking me for bringing four bus loads of Zioli Army fans down there to, to turn it around for them. I'm just saying, just saying for the record, you know. Give him a ring. Give this guy a ring. Uh, Trey Turner's obviously become a fan favorite, and what I love about Trey Turner is that obviously he was having a bad season until the Zioli Army turned it around for him. And then, you know, he got a standing ovation. Obviously, they, they people love him now. Seems like a good guy. All because guy. of Zioli. Right. And, and, and Talk Radio 1210 WPHD. I don't yeah, want to act yeah. like we didn't have something to do with this. Uh, Trey Turner is doing really well in the postseason. Really well. Doing great. Yeah. Yeah, he's doing fantastically, man. It's really awesome to see a turnaround. I, you know what? Every night for these for these uh, games, to get Maisie even more interested, I, I don't know if Bridget is, uh, but Maisie, the way to get her interested is if I put a financial stake in it. So I've been making like parlays, and one of those bets I've been making is Trey Turner to get two-plus hits, and, and oftentimes he comes through for me, man. He, he's been on fire, and I, I really I, I, I got to attribute it fully to none other than Richard Zeely himself, you know? No problem. It's the least yeah, guy knows do. how to make some contact. Yeah. He always I, – I, that's – I think that's why we signed Trey Turner is because we did need a guy that consistent. And to, to Rich's point, I mean, that's why a big part of why the Phillies struggled early. How awesome is it to actually have a time in the lineup where you just know once Turner comes up there, Turner and Harper, there's a heck of a chance that we might get some points on the board. Right. It's just it's a beautiful yeah. thing to see. Well, and with Harper, you're always looking for power. So to have kind of that contact guy like Turner, it's I mean, it's exactly what the Phillies were looking for. And it's good that it's finally working out. I got a text from somebody who just said overalls are all the rage in Quakertown where Anthony grew up. That's from your father, Dave Dorenzo. <laughs> yeah, said, of course. Uh, Quakertown is where the overalls are really, they all come from. That That's the thing? He's listening to the show. He better be selling it. Yeah. Oh. So back to that Vogue article, that, that's something they wrote about. It's the, quote, gender-neutral overalls nah, that the boys nah, love so nah, much. There's nothing yeah. gender-neutral about it. Uh, all right, listen, <laughs> I, I'll check in with you guys again in a few minutes. But before Sounds I let good, you go, I just want to know, what activities do they have for the kids tonight, uh, Big Dan? A carnival wheel, a fantastic carnival <laughs> wheel. It's not a carnival wheel. It's not a carnival wheel. It's a Ferris wheel. wheel. And it's then they a have Ferris some bungee, wheel. like a, I don't know, rubber band it's kind of jumping thing. It's a trampoline. And then some kind of blow-up house where you can jump on. It's a jump house. Is that what they're called? <laughs> jump house. By the way, my prediction is uh, Game 5 of the World Series is when Big Dan will finally call it a Ferris wheel and not a carnival wheel. <laughs> That's my other prediction I'm making tonight. <laughs> it might be a good luck for him saying carnival. Wheel. We keep winning, so That's right. just keep it's very true. It. All right, well, tune in on YouTube. Watch these guys live. They're down at the ballpark. Join them down there at Citizens Bank Park. It's going to be a lot of fun tonight. It's going to be Go a great plays. game. Uh, I'll check in with you gentlemen uh, in a few. Thanks, guys. Thank, Thank you. you. All right, good stuff. Uh, 855-839-1210 is the number. President Biden is heading to Israel with this Gaza invasion imminent. That is the breaking news. And um, I'm going to talk to Liz... Uh, Liz Wolf from Reason.com a little bit later in the show, but I just want to play this clip for you because this Cornell University professor, Russell Rickford, speaking about Hamas. And now we've talked about cancel culture a lot on this show over the years. And here's the thing. 
if you're in college and you misgender somebody, you're you're they they'll throw you off campus. They'll shut you down. They'll shut down clubs. They will share with it. But if you're a professor and you stand up there and you praise Hamas, you actually will get tenure. You'll actually get you get a promotion. Colleges right now in America are realizing that they have now reaped what they sowed. They they allowed uh, no diversity of thought. They were all about diversity, but not diversity of thought. And so this hatred of of Israel was was stewing on college campuses. But they actually shut down pro-Israel groups on campus. So they've allowed this to fester. And now they're in this point where they've gone so far woke and woke. Let's face it. Woke is the people that are behind saying things like this, whether it's Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, whether it's this kook professor. Woke are the people saying this stuff. And now these colleges are turning around and realizing, wow, uh, our alumni, our donors, they hate us now for this. This is this is a terrible look for us. We look like we have a bunch of anti-Semites at our college. And what's worse is we look like we have a bunch of anti-Semites who are cheering on terrorists at our colleges. Wilfred Riley, who's a college professor, made this great analogy. He said, imagine it like this. Imagine if you had people on college campuses who were out there actively chanting for the KKK. And you had college professors out there who were cheering on the Klan. Think about that for a moment. Think about how that'd be tolerated. And the problem that I have with these college campuses is they have had the speech codes. They have they have kicked kids off campus for what they've said. Most college students today believe that there should be limits on the First Amendment, an overwhelming majority of them, limits on the First Amendment. And then you have stuff like this happening on college campuses. Cut number four. DeSantis, yeah, you had a 10-minute build-up to be able to play this clip. That was Henry's fault. It was exhilarating. It was energizing. If they weren't exhilarated by this challenge to the monopoly of violence, by this shifting of the balance of power, then they would not be human. I was exhilarated. It's exhilarating. He's calling the violence exhilarating. I'm sorry. I'm, I just have to respond to Mama Zioli for a second. Mama Zioli just texted me and said, sorry to bother you. Is there something wrong with the oven? It's not getting hot. Can I call my mother so I can explain this to her? Is that possible? Call her live on air? Yeah, I, yeah, I might need to, to explain this to her. Let her know she's going to be on air before she's actually on air. Uh, I don't know how else I can do this to Mama Zioli without... Um, Let's give her number out over the air. So it's no, uh, don't do that. I've already that. done that one time. All right. Well, let's see if we can get my mother on. I need to help her turn the oven on. Uh, Bridget's at a at a work thing tonight. So can you give her the hotline number? Yeah, I'll tell her to call the show. Uh, call the show, and then she can go. What's the number? You listen every day, but I'm gonna say call the show, and I will explain it to you. Uh, let's see on the air. Explain it to you. Okay. Let's see if she does that. What do you think? What are the odds that she'll she'll uh, she'll call the show? I hope high. I hope so, too. Let's see. I'll see if my mother will actually do this. Sorry to bother you, baby. I know you're working, but I don't know how to get the oven hot. It's not turning on. (laughs) Sorry to bother you. I know you're in the middle of a monologue about Hamas and terrorism uh, and the speaker fight for the United States Congress, but I need to know how to get the oven hot. Maybe your oven's broken. The oven is not broken. It could be. DeSantis, it's a Bertazzoni. It's a beast. From uh, Italy itself, it does not break. Okay, it does not <laughs> it break. Be. 
I feel like Mama Zioli would have figured it out if it wasn't broken. You know, you want to be on Team Mama Zioli? That's fine. <laughs> you suck up. He's such a suck up. Everyone's on Team it. Mama Zioli. Unbelievable. All right, listen, we got a lot to talk about, including how to fix my oven. Uh, no way, don't you dare. Uh, we might have to call her. I'll be no, careful, baby. Right Tell Is she calling in? Is that her? Let's see. Somebody's calling. Maybe it's Mama Zioli. Let's see. See if it is her, in fact. See if I can explain it to my mother on how to use my oven, which she's used for, we've had it now for two years. Two years she's had this oven, and every time this is the same conversation that I have with her. Is it her? Okay, it's good. Let's see if I can go to my mother here. I don't see her on the screen, though. Where is she? Oh, there she goes. Mom, is this you? It is me. Hi, Mom. How you doing? I'm doing good, but I can't turn your oven on. What do you mean you can't turn my oven on? It doesn't go up. It's a, it doesn't get hotter. It, wait, it doesn't get hotter. I don't, what, what does that mean? Don't buy American. Buy American, it's, Rich. It's an Italian. It doesn't get hotter. It's the oven of what my it people. Is. It's our people, Mom, Dad. It's our people. Listen to me. Listen. <laughs> You got to hold the thing in. You see the knob where you turn it on? You got to push that in and hold it for about seven, eight seconds. Okay. So the pilot lights and then you got, then you turn it and then the oven will turn on. Let's try that. Go ahead. Okay. Push it in. Now be careful, baby. Be careful, baby. Go ahead. (laughs) Turn it on. Okay. Push it in. Push it in. Hold it for a few seconds. Hold it for like five, six seconds. Oh, oh, okay. Oh, it's clicking, but it ain't turning on. No, it's clicking and then turn it after it clicks for a few and seconds then turn, and then turn, and it, then turn and it and then the oven will light. No, no, no. That's not for up there, Patrick. Don't let Patrick no, do it. Keep the, pe- keep no. the children away from the oven. Mom. <laughs> just keep the. Why don't you just order pizza and, make, and save everybody a whole lot of trouble here? <laughs> I put I bought Rayo's pizza. Leave me alone. I can't. Why can't you buy an American oven? I just told you why. I bought the <laughs> oven of our people, a Bertazzoni. It's a beautiful range. Oh, my and it works God. Fine. And it doesn't ever work. Did All right. You- now turn it. Now that you heard that, turn it. <laughs> you believe this? This thing can't get the oven on. You believe this? It sounds like it's broken. DeSantis, don't be a suck up. Don't kiss up to my mother and my father. I think she's Thank right. you very much. Thank you. This is like how do you set the VCR light? This is what it, this is. <laughs> Did you get it to All like, right. I hear my dad in the background yelling, it's not working. <laughs> buy American, Rich. I'll, okay, I'll buy American, Mom. I heard you. I, I heard you say that. But most American things now these days are made in China. So I bought something made in Italy. <laughs> Listen, I'm yelling. You hear him yelling back there? All right. Listen, (laughs) buy pizza on me tonight, okay? It's on me. I'll pay you back. All All right? right. Okay, go back. Goodbye. Okay? (laughs) Thank you, Mom. All right, I love you. Bye. She just hangs up. She just hung up. I didn't hang up on my mother, by the way. Don't accuse me of that. I did not do that. She did hang up, yeah. Mom is the only... You you witnessed that, right? She just hung up the phone? She didn't say I love you back either. No. No. And you know what? You know what? (laughs) Wait, where's that clip, Henry, of her from South Carolina? Do you have that? Do you have the other clip I'm talking about? Before you play it, this is what's going to happen in five se- more seconds if she holds the oven in place too long. I think they're blowing it up. That's my fear, is that my kitchen is going to blow up right now. Do you understand? That's my fear. Oh, be careful, baby. That's what I'm saying. And keep my kids away from the oven, Mama Zioli, okay, please? All right, 855-839-1210 is the number if you want to weigh in today. We're covering the speaker fight. We're covering the, uh, the race for Jim Jordan. Hopefully he gets there. And I want to tell you, if you've been involved in an accident, you need a lawyer to help you maximize your recovery and get the fair value of your case. Don't assume 
whom the insurance companies are going to take care of you and value your case fairly. Insurance companies are big businesses and they are concerned with one bottom line, and that is their bottom line. So you got a guy, you need a guy who's going to fight for you. A guy who's going to go to the mattresses for you, as we say, my people. That's Tom Skopinich. You know, for over 25 years, he's been fighting to make sure that people get what they deserve and they maximize their settlement. And he's there for you on either side of the river, New Jersey or Pennsylvania. So just reach out to him today. Tom Skopinich. Go to scopelawyer.com. S-C-O-P-E lawyer.com or call him at 215-624-2211. 215-624-2211. He is great. And you know, prior to starting his own in his own uh, legal practice, he used to work for and on behalf of the insurance companies. So you see, he's got the inside information. He knows their strategies. He knows their tactics. And he knows how to put those strategies and tactics to work for you. So today, make the call. Tom Skopinich, and get what you deserve, scopelawyer.com. The Zioli Show, on your schedule. From Talk Radio 1210 WPHT in the free Odyssey app. Well, good news, an update, a happy ending. Uh, Mama Zioli got the oven on. She just texted me and said, okay, funny man, it's on, and I love you very much. So, so the good news is the story has a happy ending. My children will eat. Mama Zioli got the oven on. So congratulations. Well done. Thank you for all your prayers and support. Woo. I really do appreciate it. This was a tough one. Uh, now, Chuck, first of all, the speaker vote has been canceled for tonight. That's the breaking news. It just was announced a few moments ago. And actually, I want to thank uh, our buddy who has one of the absolute best rents, restaurants in all the Jersey Shore. Of course, it's where he hosts Dom Giordano. I'm talking about Johnny Z, who's the owner of Mulligan's Shore Bar down in uh, North Wildwood. He just texted me, there will not be another floor vote for speaker tonight. Jordan plans to try again tomorrow morning at 11 a.m. Here is Congressman Byron Donalds of Florida. I tell you, Byron Donalds is a great guy. I got to hang out with him and his mother, speaking of moms, together in New York over the summer when uh, Jimmy Fallon invited me up. He was hosting Fox uh, Saturday night. And Byron Donalds was one of his guests. And Byron Donalds' mother was there. She lives in the Bronx and we all hung out in the green room. And I got to tell you, she was fantastic. She was so sweet. He was a super nice guy. I think Byron Donald's B-Dog, as they call him, is, is fantastic. He's a great guy. He's a fighter. He's a conservative. And he is absolutely backing Jim Jordan for speaker. This is what he said. Take a listen. I think that the path, the, what we should do right now uh, is recess for a little bit, give Jim Jordan an opportunity to talk to these members who have voted for other people, and then let's see where we go from there. Look, I, I think us coming together and finding a speaker and electing that person is very, very possible. I support Jim Jordan. That is the place I am going to remain. But we need to make sure that we give him the opportunity to bring those votes together. I think he can do that. I agree. I think he can do that as well, and I hope he can do that, and I'm glad that Byron Donalds has said that. Now, on the Senate side of things, Chuck Schumer is one of— Before I get to that, who's the other guy, Matt, you said you got a clip of? Yeah, so this is uh, Bill Hosenga. He's a a Republican um, representative from Michigan. Um, This is him uh, on Capitol Hill speaking with reporters uh, just a few minutes ago. Okay. 
Uh, just wanted to get your reaction to Jordan getting having 20 Republicans vote against him at this point. Um, I, in this atmosphere, I'm not sure anybody could expect anyone to get 217 votes right now. So um, Jim now knows who he's got to really go talk to. And I've heard different things. I've heard that uh, he may lose some votes. I've heard he's also going to gain some votes. That somebody, you know, a few of these folks needed to stick a, a protest stake in the ground and that they're very gettable after that. Um, you know, you look at four people sort of off voting for one-off folks. I know my friends from New York uh, voting for my former friend. He's still my friend, but my former colleague, Lee Zeldin. You know, I, I, I'm not sure that that's a serious uh, 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 long-term position to hold. Look, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read you a quote from Michael Seifert on Twitter. And I think this, this says exactly what I've been saying the entire day, what I said yesterday, what I said last week. The conservative base wants Jim Jordan for speaker. Every conservative organization wants Jim Jordan for speaker. Pretty much every conservative voter wants Jim Jordan for speaker. So naturally, Republicans are refusing to give us speaker Jim Jordan. I think that is very, very well said. The Republican establishment, once again, the Uniparty doing what they do best because they know that Jim Jordan is not just going to give them whatever they want when it comes to the endless Ukraine funding, their wars, their perpetual wars. He's not going to just hand it over. He's going to make them vote on it. He's not going to just package it into a continuing resolution. Jim Jordan is not going to let them hide behind an omnibus bill. Jim Jordan is going to make sure that there's an up or down vote on funding for Ukraine, that there's a debate. And so that every single Republican out there knows exactly how their member of Congress voted. And they can't go back to their district and pretend like, oh, I, I didn't really mean to vote for Ukraine funding. You have to understand I was just voting to keep the government open. I just didn't want to see our brave men and women in uniform go without a paycheck and all the lies that these people tell over and over and over again. That's such a crock. And you know it and I know it. And that's what they do. They hide these things. They package these things in these big omnibus bills like Ukraine funding, which does not belong in a continuing resolution to keep the government open. That is something that Congress needs to debate on its own, standalone, on its own, up or down vote, whether or not we're going to continue to fund this war in Ukraine, which could last for the rest of our lifetime. It seriously could. It could last forever. My kids could be paying for this. I mean, literally paying for this, as in with their taxpayer dollars when they wind up getting jobs. So what these people do, what these cowards do, is they package this stuff into these CRs and these omnibus bills, and these dopes go home and they think we're stupid, and they go, oh, yeah, well, I didn't want to vote for Ukraine funding, but our hardworking, brave men and women um, in uniform, uh, they had to get their paychecks, and so I had to go along with it. As if anybody really believes that our hardworking, brave men and women in uniform wouldn't get their paychecks wouldn't get back pay, that they couldn't put in something in there to make sure that the military got paid. I'm so sick of the lies of these people. I am so sick of how the Uniparty runs this country. I am so sick of how they all are out there looking for their own, to, to cover their own pocketbook, their own wallets, and, and pad their, their already fat asses with more money and more consulting fees and more contracting gigs and lucrative opportunities on boards and, 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 and lobbyist dollars. I'm, I'm sick of it. And Jordan is the guy who's going to stand in their way, and that's why they want to stop him. But look, Thursday night is going to be a great night at Parks Casino. And I'm very, very excited to be there, and I want you to join us for comedy night. It is Joe Conklin's comedy night. And when I saw who's going to be on the stage that night as I'm co-hosting, 
I was thrilled. And here he is to join me right now, Kevin Downey Jr. My man, what's up, buddy? OMG, what's going on, man? <laughs> We're going to have a hoot on Thursday. <laughs> a, a hoot, as we say in Michigan. Uh, you're not in Michigan, though. You're in Long Island. I am. I'm in Long Island now, but uh, we don't say hoot out here. Or you'll get punched by a jabroni. So uh, in Michigan, you can say hoot. You can even call it hoot nanny if you're uh, over 65 years old. But we just hipped it down to hoot. Hey, are you still hosting your, your radio show? I am. I am, sir. Every uh, Monday through Friday, 10 to 11 a.m. at linewsradio.com. We mock the Marxists, we clown slap the commies, and we have fun doing it. Oh, I love it. I love it. That's fantastic. <laughs> I, I'm so happy to hear that because you know what? They all des- The commies deserve to be smacked. Let's face it. They do. And, they, and they'll cry. <laughs> they'll cry. Of course they do. That, oh, yeah. That, I love these little punks. They're so tough online. And oh, when I see, here's my favorite thing, uh, uh, Downey, if I see you in a MAGA hat, that means you're a Nazi, and I'm going to punch you. And now they're actually defending the actions of modern-day Nazis. These are the same clowns. <laughs> so true, man. <laughs> it's so true. Uh, are you going to be performing any, any gender transitions Thursday night? Any Anything like that? Any magic <laughs> tricks? Anything we can expect? Well, you know, I might be fluid by then, which means I could be, uh, I, I could be a uh, demigender. I could, I don't even know what demigender means. I'll be honest. <laughs> no, there will, there will be no, demigender. No wait, 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 wait. Did you just coin a new word, Kevin? Demigender? I don't think I coined it, man. I'm going to be honest. I was writing, uh, you know, I write for pjmedia.com and I was just making fun of the, uh, the, the, the various genders. And I, and I, I searched how many genders are there. And it went from 81 to uh, 97 to 104. So, and I was like, well, I got to see what these are. And one was demigender. And I was like, oh, okay. Like they're just making them up now. I'm a hobgoblin. That's what I'm going to be on Thursday. I'm going <laughs> to. I'm going to be a hobgoblin. <laughs> if I could be a demigender, can I be a demigod like, uh, like like Thor or Loki or something? <laughs> you know, I think you can, but I think the far left hates that 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 G O the capital G O D word. So I'd be careful. They're gonna they're really going to come out after you if you claim to be a demigod. <laughs> That's very very true. Uh, now the other thing is it, when you're when you're thinking about these college kids today on campus, these these little uh, woke snowflakes. Uh, man, they, they have it easy today. I think too easy. I feel like, and not that we're that old, but you know, we, we grew up, America had some more challenges. These kids today, I hate to say it like that because it's not like an old timer, but these kids today, Kevin Downey Jr., they got it way too easy. Don't you think? Oh my God. They got, it. are you kidding me? <laughs> you know what? If we had been in college and we had said something like, you know what? I kind of agree with eradicating all the Jewish people. I mean, we, first of all, our parents would have beaten us up and our grandparents who actually fought the Nazis would have smacked us around a few times. But now all you got to say is, yeah, I'm, I'm cool with all that. And uh, I don't know, I guess you get invited to the cool kid parties. I don't know, but oh, way too easy. These are the kids no one said no to. They're, they've come from nice neighborhoods. Their room is full of participation trophies. And uh, look what has gotten us. I just want to say for the record is I just want to defend participation trophies for one reason. And that is that if they, if not for participation trophies, I never would have gotten a trophy my entire life because I have no athletic ability whatsoever. <laughs> so I just want to point that out. You know, I, uh, I, I am, I'm happy to say growing up in Detroit, I, uh, I was such a horrible hockey player. They did not give me a trophy, Sam. I am. And here I am now. <laughs> I'm still on the right side of history. <laughs> Now, how do you, how do you keep uh, when you're talking conservative politics? 
How do you keep it fun? How do you keep, because again, everybody is, we're, the world is crazy right now. And I think we need people like you. We need people like me, if I can say so myself. We need, you know, because we, we, we have to be able to laugh. Otherwise, we will literally go insane. You know what? You just hit a grand slam with that statement, my friend. We have to. And sometimes it's hard. I mean, the news, how do you, how do you have a, a happy, fun, funny, anti-commie show when you see what's going on? So there are days when we have to, you know, uh, maybe eh, we don't get to have as much fun as we do. But when you just make fun of these idiots and you mock them, first of all, it makes them insane. They hate yeah. that. They hate And that's how you win. You just mock these jack puddings. And uh, I didn't coin that phrase either, either, but that's one of my favorite words to call them, jack puddings. That's a real word. Hate to brag. I've been reading lately. <laughs> I'm proud of you. Well, you also do write at pjmedia.com. How drunk would you have to be to pick up AOC at a bar? That's my question that I want to ask you. Oh, okay. And now if we're, um, let's just, uh, let's just suggest we have decided we're going to uh, uh, <clears throat> romantically pursue a leftist. I would probably go with Ilhan Omar just because I hate her so much. <laughs> and there would be no romance in, in, in anything that happened. I'm just a... I, I, don't know. I know where you're going okay. with this, and it's absolutely inappropriate for the radio. I know exactly where you're going with it. Everybody knows where you're going with this. Okay. It's, it involves I'm a, that rope, a, a hate blanking, and we're not, we're not even going to... We're not going there, Kevin Downey Jr. Okay. We're not going Thank there. Thank you. Okay, I'm, I'm glad you cut me off because I, I wasn't sure how far I could go. Um, yeah, it would take, now, I don't recommend doing shots of gin, but it would take four shots of real old man gin for me to go up to AOC and say, hello, would you like to dance? Or something like that. I don't even know if I could get it out. Was I don't know a, that, that I could get the word. Was that a horse joke? Were you making fun of her horse teeth just there? Yes, I was. Okay, was exactly I, thought, right. I thought so. <laughs> uh, now, what about, about being on Long Island and watching, I mean, New York City and watching what's going on in your state? How do you how do you deal with it? Because, I mean, I'm in Philly and things are crazy here, but you're like in the capital of craziness right over there. Okay, uh, here's the drill. And uh, I, I want people to know that I right now on Long Island, Long Island is blood red. And I don't go into the city anymore because <laughs> I don't do gigs in the city anymore because I know what they're going to do. I know how it's going to end. So uh, I haven't been into the city and I love hockey. Even if the Red Wings are playing the Rangers, I am not going. I'll wait till they're out here playing the Islanders. Uh, we just avoid it. It's, it's sad. It's, I mean, look at how fast the left gutted these cities of ours. Look at what the, your guy Krasner is doing. Oh my God. Oh, and well, I, we've got our own knucklehead, uh, uh, Alvin Bragg. Just <laughs> here's what I hate. Um, they allow the criminals to come after you, but if you punch one, well, you're going to the Huskow. How <laughs> dare you attack one of the, one of the, one of their brown shirts? That's the sick part. People go, "Oh, you're just afraid." I go, "No, I'm afraid of defending myself." I'm not <laughs> 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 that's that's what it's come to. Let me ask you though. I mean, I I really miss Cuomo. I miss the love gov because at least when he was governor of New York, <laughs> you know what I mean. Like you could have he he would go on with his this three hour long press conferences and everything. And yeah, you might you know touch somebody inappropriate in an elevator. But I but I feel like things were a little bit better when he was governor of New York. You know. Oof. You know what? It was funnier without a doubt because he was such a bozo. <laughs> And, uh, and he was just so much fun to make fun of. And I happen to know he's living with, I know if, if he turns on my show, he can hear me. He's within my, uh, my stick range, as we say in the radio, he's within uh, stick range. So I, so I, 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 a couple times a week, 
I call him uh, Hand, Handy Andy Cuomo, and I love to make fun of him and his brother, who's on, I think his brother's on like a smaller station than I'm on right now. He's on some, <laughs> some like uh, news out loud or something no one's ever heard of, Chris Cuomo making the big comeback. Oh, my God. As if the world clamors for that guy. Would you, would you say it's the lesser station? Oh, oh yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Without a doubt. <laughs> the lesser Cuomo on the lesser radio station? I'm, I'm, <laughs> yes, I'm shocked by that, Kevin Downey Jr. <laughs> <laughs> Man, Thursday's going to be a hoot, buddy. I can't wait. All right, so what can we expect? Tell us about the comedy you do on stage. What do, we, what do, what do you do? Tell us your show. Tell us your gig. Tell us why people should come out and see you. All right, here's the drill. Uh, people should uh, come out because it's going to be funny. It's going to be, it's not over the top political because no one, you need a break from that. You I do. mean, I'll, yeah. yeah, I'll make, I'll make fun of them a little bit. You know, I'll make fun of the bad guys a little bit, but it's basically just going to be, uh, you know, jokes about dead hookers and all that sort of fun <laughs> stuff I, I learned in Detroit. <laughs> and uh, Jessica Colazzo will be there. Okay, good. I my, love Jessica. My, she's wonderful. She's one of my favorite people, and she still made one of the funniest jokes that I've ever heard in my life about the word Latinx. <laughs> She'll probably do that. I hope she does, because every time <laughs> I think about it, I actually start laughing so hard. It's hysterical. Uh, yeah. Great. I'm glad she's going to be there. Marion Groden's going to be there. Tickets are just 20 bucks this Thursday night. The tickets include your first drink. Uh, game's on at five, so we can all hang out and watch the game together. Chickies and Pete's, get some crab fries, then come over and watch the comedy show. Starting at eight, parkscasino.com slash comedy. You must be 21. Gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Kevin Downey Jr., I love you, man. I'm excited to see you. I'm excited to hang out with you on Thursday night. It's going to be a blast, buddy. You're the best, my friend. I can't wait. This will be a hoot and uh, go America. <laughs> go America. <laughs> very generic at the night the Phillies are playing. Just go America. <laughs> go go a team. <laughs> you know what? I hope you guys win. Uh, <laughs> I, no, I'm dead serious. I mean, I'm a, I'm a Tigers fan, so I'm always bitter. But I hope you guys win because, uh, you know, Philly could really use some good news. I see what Kras... I mean, the fact that I know Krasner's name. The fact that it's a, a nationwide story. Like, I, I'm rooting for you guys. Well, we appreciate that, brother. We, we appreciate that very much. All right, Kevin Downey Jr., I'll see you Thursday night at Parks Casino, pal. All right, buddy. Thanks, man. See you then. You bet. All right. Uh, we got a fourth and final hour coming up. And are we just not doing Sounders anymore after interviews? Is that it? You just I, gave I up ch- on that? I choked right there. I, uh, oh, I was, man. I was debating whether to do the... Uh... <laughs> The Grand Hotel one or just the regular, and I wasn't sure. All right. Well, I did scope. And then you went anyway. And so. you're telling me to do scope again, but I already did. Did you do scope? I, I got I, I just, lost. I literally just did it. So can I do this later? Sure. And I do this later? Sure. I can do this later? Sure. Okay, great. You're such a, you know, you're such a kind and benevolent associate producer. You really are. <laughs> How did I get so lucky? <laughs> How did I get so lucky? All right, we'll check in with our buddies down at the ballpark in just a few moments, and I'll give you the latest on the speaker fight, and we'll... The, uh, the the crook, Robert Menendez, being a secure Senate briefing tomorrow on Israel and Egypt. I have the answer for you straight ahead. Rich Zioli, weekday afternoons, 3 to 7, Talk Radio 1210, WPHT, and on the free Odyssey app. WOGL HD3 Philadelphia from the Cherry Hill Volvo Studios where relationships matter always live on the free Odyssey app the revolution will be broadcast this is the next generation of talk now on talk radio 1210 WPHT Rich Zioli
All right, the question, of course, is will the corrupt Senator Bob Menendez of New Jersey be allowed into a classified briefing regarding Israel and Egypt? Will Jim Jordan get the votes to become speaker? And will Donald Trump challenge the judge's unconstitutional gag order? And of course, will the Phils win tonight? Welcome back to the show. Glad you are here today. 855-839-1210 on Twitter at Rich Zioli. It is great to be with you for our fourth and final hour of the show today. But I'll tell you, this college stuff is uh, is crazy what's happening on college campuses. And my buddy Liz Wolf has been tweeting a lot about it. She is an associate editor at Reason.com, my favorite libertarian site. Hello, Liz. Thanks for joining me. Thanks for having me. How? First of all, I know you're you're in. Uh, you said you're in apartment switching mode. How's how's all that going? <laughs> it's going great. I left hipster Brooklyn and I now live in Queens, so it's definitely an upgrade. Good, excellent. Get away from the hipsters. Enough with those people. <laughs> Do they still wear the skinny jeans? Guys should never wear skinny jeans, in my opinion. <laughs> Well, I don't even have to worry about that anymore now that I'm a Queens resident, you know, good times ahead. <laughs> That's good. Excellent. Uh, you have been pointing out a lot lately of the hypocrisy of what's going on on college campuses. I want to play a quick clip. I know you've uh, talked about this. This is this college professor from Cornell University, Professor Russell Rickford, uh, at a pro-Palestine rally on Cornell's campus where he was actually, um, I mean, he was flat out praising the Hamas terror attacks. Cut four. It was exhilarating. It was exhilarating. It was energizing. If they weren't exhilarated no, by this, this challenge to the monopoly of violence, by this shifting of the balance of power, then they would not be you and I was exhilarating. All right, Liz Wolf, uh, he finds it exhilarating. Uh, as you pointed out, college campuses lately, you know, if you misgender somebody, they throw you off campus. Professors like this, they give them tenure. Yeah, I mean, my tweet was a little tongue-in-cheek, right? Like, to some degree, I'm, I'm parroting the sort of state of acceptable discourse on college campuses. You know, I don't really know of any examples thus far where people have legitimately, you know, been kicked off of campus for misgendering. But my point sort of stands, which is like, when a lot of these college activists have spent, you know, for the better part of a decade talking about microaggressions and saying that they need to shout down different campus speakers, that they need to craft safe spaces and stock them with therapists and coloring books and bubbles in order to prevent college students from hearing ideas that threaten their worldview or ideas they disagree with. You know, I, I, forgive me for being a little frustrated that we've been doing a decade of that. And then now when we have legitimate Hamas apologism and sort of shilling for terrorists, you know, that's just totally fine. That's acceptable all of a sudden. Like, what? What yeah. sort of topsy-turvy world are we living in where that's how it is? I mean, you know, you joke about it, but it's true. I mean, they they, they had crayons for college kids to be able to deal with their feelings. And, and cuddle. remember the cuddle thing where you could get a cuddle buddy? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's stunning to me. And I think, you know, we saw so many speakers specifically criticizing third wave feminism, criticizing the Me Too era, criticizing the sort of overreach of Title IX campus sexual assault adjudication policies. We saw speakers who were critical of components of Black Lives Matter uh, and the way that organization has engaged in political action. We've seen speakers. These are all fascinating political topics where there are people of you know, great uh, intellectual strength and, and of operating in good faith who disagree about these things. But for whatever reason, 
Many of the speakers who would shed light on complexities of all of these topics have historically been shouted down at campuses. To me, that doesn't make sense. Yeah, it, 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 it actually is. It's really coming home to roost here. I mean, so often we have had this problem, and we've talked about this before, where college students today, a majority of them, believe there should be limits on the First Amendment. They, they believe in things like hate speech codes. They, they believe in limiting speech. So, you know, they'll shut down pro-life student groups. They'll shut down pro-Israel groups. They'll do all these things. And, uh, and then you turn around and, and you, you have this, 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 this pure and utter um, hatred that's being spewed on college campuses. And now suddenly people are turning around to colleges and going, how are you going to deal with this problem and I, I think it's become a self-fulfilling problem for them because they they decided a long time ago that they were not going to be speech neutral. They decided that they were going to decide which speech was OK on their campuses. And had they just remained speech neutral and said, you could say whatever you want, they probably would not be finding themselves in this position right now. I completely agree with that. And I think it's also worth, you know, for the sake of being consistent, I consider myself a free speech maximalist. So I do think that I would be remiss if I didn't mention that there have been lots and lots of cases of pro-Palestinian speech that has been censored over time. Now, know that that is not the same as pro-Hamas speech. I do think that it is important to draw some of these distinctions here. I agree. But there are lots of, you know, ardent uh, Palestine supporters and, and campus groups that really have been cracked down on and censored by their administrations over time. So I think that it's important if we actually do care about the principle here, as you were talking about, to say that, you know, we want to cultivate an academic environment where people can really forcefully defend their ideas and talk about them and where we give really wide berth to allow these types of ideas to be hashed out on college campus. Because frankly, that's what college campuses are for. They're not for you to feel 100% mentally safe all the time. They're for your ideas to be, to be challenged, for you to workshop things, for you to soak up the ideas of people around you. And I, I just want to give a little shout out to the Foundation for Individual Rights and expression, which I think has been incredibly consistent over the years in defending this type of free speech on campuses, even free speech that maybe they personally disagree with. You know, I personally disagree with some of the things that the post-Palestinian groups have put out there, but I think it's important that I defend their right to say those things. I do too. And I do also think it's worth drawing a distinction between pro-Palestinian rallies and pro-Hamas rallies and pro-Hamas terrorist rallies. I mean, it's, it'd be like, you know, if a college had, a, had an organization where people were, were advocating violence against any group, I mean, it's okay to say that that's wrong and there's nothing wrong with coming out and, and saying that it's wrong. And, 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 and this is where I, I, I worry because it seems like things get lumped together. I mean, I talked to Wilford Riley the other day and, you know, he made a great point. He'd be like, if there was a rally on a college campus where they were openly advocating, like the Klan was there and they were openly advocating uh, you know, lynching black people. I mean, we would we would say that that is that is wrong. Like that it's not you should not be out there saying those things. Yeah, it's it's very difficult. I mean, this is sort of the the origins of like how the ACLU became the organization uh, that they were for a long time. Frankly, I, I've lost a ton of respect for the ACLU in recent years. But we all know the story of frankly, a bunch of Jewish lawyers at the ACLU defending the rights of Nazis to march in Skokie, Illinois, many years ago. Nobody really wants to be in that position where they're legally defending Nazis. And you certainly don't want to do that if they are inciting uh, violence. But there are very thorny, difficult to draw lines between what type of speech is permissible and what is actually considered incitement by the courts. And I think the ACLU at least used to many years ago grapple with these issues quite seriously. I think today FIRE is doing a lot of grappling with those issues. And frankly, I think we are doing that at reason, but I, w I want to push more people 
on both the right and the left to take these ideas seriously. Because frankly, you know, if we if we fail to defend people's speech rights, ultimately, I think that that comes around to bite us at some point, because everybody believes something that is deeply unpopular or something that in the future could be criminalized. And so we should be very careful about you know, not being principled and not being consistent in this. It is important for college students to have the ability to legitimately have it out and engage in these types of debates on campus. Uh, it's, it's completely disturbing what we've seen the culture of free speech become over the last 10 years. Yeah, and I think that fire has stepped up where the ACLU has backed out. And the ACLU has, there's too many cases where the ACLU has said, that if somebody's feelings are going to be hurt, you know, if some if a member of the LGBTQ community is going to be offended by something, then then that speech should not be said. So I, I, I've also lost tremendous respect for them. I don't think they defend free speech anymore. I think they're much more about their agenda. And I also lost respect for them when they somehow justified a covid mandate as being good for civil liberties. I mean, I thought that was just insane. But fire yeah, has stepped up. Absurd. What's that? <laughs> That's patently absurd. COVID mandates were right. huge violations of civil liberties always and everywhere. Yeah, a vaccine mandate for... Uh, remember they wrote that op-ed in the... I think it was the New York Times where they justified why a, like a vaccine mandate was good for civil liberties. It was, it was like the most twisted knot I've ever read people try to, try, try to argue here. Yeah, I mean, that type of thing is despicable. I think they've really tarnished their reputation many times over in the last few years. But frankly, that just means that the rest of us who legitimately do believe in free speech and protecting civil liberties, it just means, you know, our work is cut out for us. It means that we have to be happy warriors going ahead and make sure we're actually grappling with these tough distinctions between speech and incitement. Uh, and it, it, you know, means frequently extending a wide berth of tolerance to our enemies, uh, not just the speech that we like. It involves really engaging with these questions of, you know, what should some of these college administrations do with some of the professors out there saying um, things that I find really abhorrent about uh, Hamas? It's, right. it's a very difficult thing to do because you don't want to go after professors and persecute them for their political speech. But at the same time, I keep looking at some of these statements and thinking, why on earth would the Cornell administrators have hired somebody this brain dead in the first place? Yes, yes, exactly. And and what does that say about them in terms of their their philosophy of things if they've hired people like this in the first place? My yeah, I mean, my friend, uh, Michael Moynihan, who uh, does the fifth column podcast, I was just listening to an episode of the fifth column. And he had a great line on there about how he would discourage his daughter from like going to Harvard because he'd want her to, you know, actually go to a good school. And frankly, I think that that like, sums it up right there this idea of like why do we still respect a place like cornell if this is the type of person that they're hiring and this is the type of speech that people are applauding for at rallies i mean to me i don't want my kid to go to cornell at this point no no i'm with you i mean i'm with you i i, I think that that's exactly right and i think also too a lot of this uh, comes with and and, and I think the teachers unions push a lot of this stuff, too. And I mean, you had a piece on Reason a while ago about this, this uh, sleeping with a member of the teachers union. And I think you, you kind of got in, into this, this that, that point that was made, that dumb joke that was made by Mike Pence at the debate, which was just cringeworthy. But, you know, I think a lot of, um, of the teachers unions out there, again, are also guilty of this because they decide what speech is OK in, in classrooms. They decide what speech is OK at the at the grade school level, what what books are OK. They, they decide all these things. They kept parents out of it. There's no school choice. And it becomes one monolithic thought. 
And I, I also think that that is a major wake-up call here for people. It's the reason why, you know, in the town where I live, I mean, the biggest political battle that's going on right now is not who's running for town council. It's who's running for school board right now. That makes a ton of sense to me. I mean, I think it's really stunning, frankly. I mean, we were just talking about COVID and vaccine mandates a second ago. I think it's frankly stunning that it wasn't the COVID era and the school closures that really broke teachers' unions. To me, I mean, they did not cover themselves in glory. The, you know, the lies abounded. We saw this in big cities, the degree to which there's this political capture of elected officials by these teachers' union head honchos, uh, you know, the likes of Randy Weingarten and others. And we saw so much learning loss because children were kept at home for really stunning amounts of time in a way where if we actually looked at, you know, the examples of tons of European countries and saw some of their early results, we could have avoided this, right? Other countries were doing it way better than we were. And I place blame pretty squarely on teachers unions there. But I do think that there is a little bit of upside to all of this. I think whether it's teachers unions or looking at how some of these groups on campus and these, you know, college professors are making total fools of themselves, I think people are beginning to wise up to the fact that we have fostered some really bad environments and created really bad incentives and dynamics. And, you know, it's incumbent on the rest of us to advocate for more school choice, for more speech yes. rights, for more protection of civil liberties, not less. Yes, yes, 100%. Well said, Liz Wolf. Liz Wolf's joining you right now. She's the editor, associate editor at Reason and author of the Reason Roundup morning email newsletter, which you should subscribe to and get, I read it every single morning. No, look, you're right about that fact. I mean, the uh, the answer to a speech we don't like is, is more speech. The answer to, it's like, I laugh about these stupid book bans. I mean, there's not a single book that's banned in America. I don't know how many libertarian authors are actually in public school libraries. You know, I don't know. I don't, I don't think you can, you're not going to find Thomas Sowell in a lot of public school libraries. <laughs> Books are not banned. But yet what we've had, though, is we've had this monolithic control of the books that our children are exposed to. And so for a lot of parents who don't have the ability to send their kids to private school, because I get asked that question all the time. It's, well, Rich, why don't you just send your kids to private school? I don't want to. I want to fight so that for the people that can't afford to send their kids to private school, I want to fight so that they have the ability to have their kids be able to learn lots of different things and not through just the lens that the teachers union wants them to see things through. But, you know, I, I laugh when they scream about book bans in this country and I turn around and I say, OK, fine. If you really feel like this book is so critical in your library and I disagree with you on that, then give me the ability to send my kids to a school that has a book in the library with an author that I may want them to learn the perspective of history from, like a Thomas Sowell, for example. I completely agree. Reasons editor-in-chief makes a great point very consistently. And she says, look, rich people in this country have school choice already. The school choice battles are over whether or not middle class and poor people also have that. This is, frankly, there's a huge class dynamic to this. The fact that it is rich people who are able to pull their kids out of private school and actually send their kids to schools that are in many cases more aligned with their values. That's a wonderful thing. And frankly, all parents should have the ability to do that. If we actually pursued a system of school choice and and school vouchers or ESAs, as several states are experimenting with, I think we would have really good results. I got to ask you, since you're in New York and you're, you know, now you're Queens girl, uh, your governor in New York, Kathy Hochul, I had a laugh when she came out and she said, look, I love the Statue of Liberty and I believe in what it says, but we're closed and we don't have any room for you. So please don't come here. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, 
Hochul and Mayor Eric Adams have both been dealing with this huge problem, right? There's been a huge influx of migrants, and New York's laws make it such that they are legally obligated to shelter all you know, people, all newcomers, for a certain period of time. And I think that's a very well-intentioned law. It's something that, you know, I am pretty sympathetic to as a very pro-immigration person. But they're also now experiencing a huge strain on social services, right? Like, the money has to come from somewhere. And I think they've really backed themselves into a corner here. And the foolishness and impracticality of their policies are really becoming apparent. Chickens are coming home to roost, in other words. Yeah, exactly. And all these places that had, you know, they were very proud of the fact of saying they were sanctuary cities. And they turn around, they get mad at governors from border states for sending people to them. Uh, but, but at the same time, it's like, I mean, why should the people of just the states that border the U.S. border have to deal with the influx here? I mean, that doesn't seem very fair to them. Right. I mean, it, it, if, if everybody's got to bear this, then then why should they get some exception? Because they're geographically hundreds or thousands of miles away from the border. The way I look at this is that actually this is one of those cases where we could really change federal policy to help alleviate states and cities. And by that, I mean, specifically, it's really hard for recent migrants, for these newcomers that are being sheltered in New York City. It's really hard for them to get work authorization. Many times they have to wait for quite some time for, you know, all of the, the you know, their records to clear. But essentially, we're making it so that we're saying, hey, you need to be in this sort of state of, of you know, temporary vagrancy, as opposed to, in many cases, these people are in pursuit of a better life and they actually want to go out and make something of themselves, be industrious, escape their circumstances and provide for their families, whether they're families that have migrated with them or families that they're sending remittances back home to. And I really think the federal government could, in this case, get out of the way and allow work authorization to hit sooner, which would allow these people, instead of sitting on the streets in midtown Manhattan, be able to actually, you know, go find jobs. There are lots of industries with shortages in New York City right now. And this is something where if only they were allowed to work legally. It's almost a conspiracy person might say uh, as if the uh, government wants to expand the welfare state. I mean, I, I think that that's definitely plausible. I, I am very much in favor, especially as I pay more attention to, you know, issues with the Federal Reserve and, you know, all of the stuff that's been happening with Jerome Powell and interest rate hikes and all of this. I mean, we are in this situation where, for whatever reason, both the left and the right, but frankly, more the left than the right, have been so interested in spending as if the bill never comes right. due. Yep. That's crazy. That's not how it works in any of our personal households with any of our personal budgets. And that's frankly not how it works with the federal government either. So I think we might be in for a time of you know, significant reckoning because it's getting more and more expensive to service the national debt. And that's a huge problem. I mean, we're all going to be paying for that, you know, younger generations especially. And I got to say, Liz, and the last thing I want to say is that, you know, when it comes to Ukraine, I, th- this idea that we can just pay for this for the rest of our lives in perpetuity and they don't even debate it and it's just say, OK, well, here's another, you know, billions of dollars. I mean, at, at some point, do we not have a conversation about this? Do, do our elected representatives not have a conversation and actually even draft a budget here with an end game? And so, I mean, and if you suggest that it's you're, you're pro Putin. Now I hear Janet Yellen saying, oh, we can absolutely afford two wars if we need to. So if we need to go to war with Russia, if we continue that forever and ever. And we also need to go to war in Israel. Well, we can do that forever and ever. I mean, it's almost like wh- where does this come from? Where is this money tree in the backyard? 
Yeah, I mean, unfortunately, I think they think the money tree is all of us, right? Yeah. You know, they, they think they can raise taxes on all of us for as long as possible, no matter what we earn, frankly, and it will never be a problem. And I, I think that at some point people, I mean, I've been mad about taxes for a very long time, and it, it doesn't even matter, you know, how much I get taxed. Um, I'm just sort of in a perpetual state of being grouchy and like <laughs> tweeting angry things at the IRS, which certainly does not help my cause. But I do think more people will become fired up in this exact same way the more we're taken for granted. I mean, you see this happening in a lot of Scandinavian countries that are erroneously called socialists when, in fact, they're really not. But you do have issues where sometimes when they hike taxes, like I believe this is happening recently in Norway or Sweden, you have capital flight. You have the, you know, multimillionaires and billionaires who are basically saying, I don't want to live here anymore. I'm taken for granted. Innovation is not actually encouraged. All my money is taxed away. I'm going to, you know, go move to Switzerland. And they have the money to be able to get out and leave, which is something that we don't, which is another reason why being rich is a huge advantage here. Uh, we Liz can't Wolf- even leave our damn school systems. You know, it's a big I problem. I know. And, and a lot of people can't even leave the cities because they can't afford a home in the suburbs right now because the housing market is yeah. insane because of what the Federal Reserve yeah. has done with interest rates. And uh, I, I mean, I, there was a home in my neighborhood. It went for $75,000 over asking price and it sold in about 24 hours. Just a middle class home. I, it, I, I've never seen it like this before. So a lot of people are stuck. You know, they're stuck, Liz, and it's it's a damn shame for them. So well, I, I hate to be the obnoxious libertarian here, but like once again, libertarian solutions sure would help and market based thinking would help. Because, again, we have all of these zoning regulations that in many cases, blue cities and states have put in place. And it makes it really, really hard for people to actually build new things. So no kidding, the existing housing supply gets so warped and so expensive. I mean, at a certain point, I think in all of these cases, the bill comes due. Yes. People don't like being treated this way over and over again. And I'm just going to tell you, and this is just between me and you and not for public consumption, I really have a problem with the way the government busts your chops when you're trying to build a house. And I also have a problem with people that need, I've got I to have a permit if I want to change a toilet. Like, 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 stay out of, like, give me a break, all right? Stay out of my house. I can deal with it. But that's for another show. Liz Wolf, always a pleasure. Associate editor, Reason.com. And subscribe to the Reason Roundup morning email newsletter. Thank you, my friend. Thank you so much. The Rich Zioli Show on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. Uh, listen, Cherry Hill, Volvo and Route 70 in Cherry Hill, they do great work for our, our station, this show. They stand with us. And uh, I am so proud to stand with them. When it comes to... Buying a car, you have a lot of options out there, obviously. What sets Cherry Hill Volvo apart from every other dealership out there is the fact that they put relationships first. And this is what I mean by that. There's no pressure. Nobody hounds you. Nobody runs after you and tries to shake you down to get you to buy a car. If the car's not right for you, the car's not right for you. That's just how it goes. And I also really believe that you're going to love driving a Volvo if you've never driven one before. They have a plant in South Carolina where they build the S-Class, beautiful, gorgeous sedan, The XC40, which is what I'm driving now, is a great SUV. It's got a ton of room, all the safety features. Bridget drives the XC90, which has the third row to get the kids all around, which I assume Mama Zioli's driving tonight since Bridget's out of town. And I also love the fact that at Cherry Hill Volvo, they strive to get you the best pricing. Incentives right now that start at $5,000 off and go as high as $11,000 off a new Volvo. And they also have certified pre-owned Volvos. A great lease program as well. So what are you waiting for? Check them out today. Cherry Hill Volvo, the most accessible Volvo dealer to Philly and South Jersey, right across the bridge. Judith, 
Yosef, and the entire team look forward to meeting you. Because the Cherry Hill Volvo relationships really do matter. They do matter. And that's the difference. And that's why Judith Cohen, I'm sorry, Judith Krupnik and Yosef Cohen and the entire team there every single day put our station, put you, put their customers and their clients first and foremost. That's why we're broadcasting live from the Cherry Hill Volvo Studios. So go see them today, right on Route 70 in Cherry Hill, where relationships matter. The Zioli Show, on your schedule. From Talk Radio 1210 WPHT in the free Odyssey app. You guys there? You hear me? Everybody. We got you loud and clear, Rich. Hey, hey, brother. All Look right. at your beautiful face up there on the stream now, too. How you doing, Look sir? Big Dan and Dorenzo hanging out the other side with Dan and Dorenzo live at the ballpark. Guys, how we doing? We're doing fantastic, man. You've had a great show. I Talking to your mom about fixing the oven. Uh, maybe some tips for her. Did she ever get that fixed? Or is there pizza for the kids tonight or not? Yes, this is a happy ending, Dan. It was a very happy ending. Mama Zioli texted me, and she just said she got the <laughs> oven finally to turn on. So the kids will be eating Let's tonight. Let's go. This is good. Oh, Thank, God. Yes. Thank God. Uh, Thank God. Yeah, and also and prayers. Yes. Your interview with Kevin also was something, man. That was that was a good Dude, one. Hilarious guy, man. So Kevin Downey Jr. and Mark Riccadon are great friends. Mark was on on Friday, right? And uh, so we got some good, good, good people who make us laugh who stop by the show, which I always enjoy. Yeah, I was actually saying on the stream when I was working at the Comedy Stop in Atlantic City, uh, Mark Riccadonna, Kevin Downey Jr., they had a little uh, group of friends and they were very gracious enough to kind of welcome me in and uh, we would go out after the comedy show sometimes and uh, also there was a girl by the name of Maisie and they gave me the confidence to ask Maisie out on a date, uh, which led to me meeting my wife. So I, I <laughs> now Kevin Downey Jr., Mark Riccadonna, those guys, uh, even behind the scenes, uh, I'll take you, you know, expose the curtain. Fantastic individuals. Like it's just so much fun to hang out with them, uh, and just right on point. Everything Kevin was saying, <laughs> hilarious. And I love the allusion to uh, you know which uh, progressive uh, uh, congresswoman he might want to be with. <laughs> <laughs> I think it'd be fun to actually uh, sit around with those guys, drink some beer, and talk politics. Uh, I think that'd be a lot of fun. Yeah, it yeah. was a lot of fun. It, and those guys, they both also at some point uh, went overseas, Middle East, uh, did a lot of USO touring and such. So it, there's the stories that those guys have from the things that they've seen and the people they perform for. It's, 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 an, it's amazing. And Kevin Downey Jr., I don't know if you know this, but he was uh, he got pretty far on uh, America's Got Talent. He did. Uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so it, it's cool to see him around you now. And, uh, man, if I could make it to the show tomorrow, I, I'd be there. I'd be there. The Reason.com interview is good, too. And I just wanted to mention I'm happy that uh, Henry remembered the liner that time. He did it. Yeah, Henry nailed it with that. And the song we just came back with is... Money and Fame by Need to Breathe, a.k.a. JT Real Muto's walk-up music. Boom. Right there. Awesome. All right. I'm going to hand it over to you guys at about 6.50, but I want to know real quick... uh, Starting lineup. Let's get through it. Let's talk about it. Yeah, let's do it. Leading off, we got Kyle Schwarber, followed by Trey Turner, Bryce Harper, Batten third, fourth, Alec Bohm, Bryson Stott after that, JT Real Muto, Nick Castellanos at seventh, Brandon Marsh at eighth, and Johan Rojas to round things out. Just a quick note, Alec Bohm stays there in the four slide. A lot of conversation about Nick Castellanos switching there to uh, create a new strategy. Uh, you know, obviously Alec Bohm's having a little bit of a hard time hitting the ball, uh, but nope. Uh, Topper did keep it the same, Rich. So we'll see uh, if that strategy holds true again tonight. Excellent. Excellent. So you guys are doing a great job, and I enjoyed listening to the two of 
interview yesterday with your with your thoughts on everything. So I'm looking forward to doing that before we start the show tonight, before we start the game. Uh, obviously, first pitch is at 8.07, so that's good. Uh, the crowd looks amazing. From what, what I can see right now on YouTube.com, on our, our, our live stream here, and the crowd looks massive already. Yeah, YouTube.com slash at 12 WPHT. Uh, crowd has been out here. Uh, if you're just tuning in for the first time, Rich, down here in South Philadelphia, 6 o'clock you had the Flyers home opener. 8 o'clock you had a friendly between Mexico and Germany that drew uh, around 50,000 plus over at Lincoln Financial. And then obviously here you have the Phillies taking on the Diamondbacks. Uh, traffic has been nuts, but uh, the crowds too, because of that, have been huge. You've seen some Flyers fan walking around, seen some Mexico, uh, Germany fans as well. Uh, it really really cool environment. I, I, I gotta say again, if you're listening to us and considering coming down for a game, even if you don't have tickets, there's enough here to uh, have a good time in the evening. You know, park, uh, have some fun at the food trucks, grab some drinks, and ride that carnival wheel, Rich. <laughs> <laughs> Big Dan with his carnival wheel. Alright, guys, I'm, we're gonna check in with you again. We're gonna let you take over in a few minutes, okay? So stay tuned. Sounds good. Thanks, Rich. All right. Thank you, guys. Thanks for everything you're doing down there. Appreciate it. I just want to let you know that Monday night there's going to be a um, there's going to be a memorial for an event over at FOP Lodge 5 for uh, the phone police officer, Richard Mendez, who uh, it was just heartbreaking, uh, truly heartbreaking what happened here. And there's going to be a benefit for him. It's Monday, October 23rd at one of my favorite places to hang out, which is FOP Lodge 5 up in the great northeast on Caroline Road. Donations are accepted at the door. If you can't make it, you can certainly donate to the memorial account. Uh, There'll be draft beer and food, and 100% of the proceeds will support Officer Mendez's family. I, 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 I'll be honest with you, I got choked up Friday night. After the show, we were we had a great time in Cape May, but I I knew him. I I met him at the airport a few times. He was a terrific man, and it was just a heartbreaking situation. I got really choked up Friday night after the show. (laughs) So anything you can do to help out his family and help out the FOP Lodge 5 will be greatly appreciated. Uh, this has been a very, very sad time. Uh, these scumbags are still out there. You know, there's still two of these cop killers, scumbags who are on the streets. And, and this organized carjacking ring, I believe, and I know that, you know, they're not saying this, but I, I'm from what I'm reading between the lines here, it's very obvious here. These scumbags are coming from from Camden, driving to Philly, and they're they're jacking cars at the airport. Thinking there's going to be less consequences, and they're they're taking them, and they're 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 taking them probably overseas or something like that. This is a very organized effort, which is why these guys were willing to kill cops. This is not your average everyday idiot carjacker looking for a joyride. Th- these guys are organized. They were willing to to, to kill two pl- Philadelphia police officers. Thank God one one survived, but <clears throat> they were willing to kill cops, and that tells you a lot. That tells you a lot about this this I think criminal organization behind this. And the fact that when they did the press conference yesterday and you heard this and they said there are still people who they're looking for out, you know, in the burbs there in Jersey. This is not the first time that people from Camden have come over. So I'm just going to make that point. So Monday night, hope to see you there at the FOP Lodge 5 to help raise money for our friend, fallen hero officer, Richard Mendez. Uh, Now, let me move on the Jersey side for a moment to... uh, Senator Robert Menendez, no relation, obviously. Um, Senator Menendez is a guy who's been accused of taking a lot of money from some very, very bad people, lining, literally, literally lining his pockets with money and also taking gold bars and a car and everything else. Now, the issue here is Egypt and whether or not Menendez, and this is the question that I think everybody needs to ask, 
did Senator Menendez allow Egypt to continue to abuse people, their human rights record, their abysmal human rights record? Did he cover for Egypt because Egypt gave his buddy the big halal contract and Menendez got the cash? And so as we're talking about now what could potentially be World War III in the Middle East, Egypt plays a big part in all of this. Menendez is the chairman of the Senate Foreign Relations Committee. Think about that for a moment. He is the chairman of the Senate Foreign Relations Committee. This guy has the access to classified briefings. Do you trust him with that information? I don't. I don't because I don't think that he's he's not going to help Egypt out. If there's something there that would hurt Egypt in any way, shape or form, he's going to make sure they know about it. And this scumbag should not only be out of the Senate, in my opinion, but he absolutely should be off the Senate Foreign Relations Committee. So Senator Chuck Schumer was asked a question in advance of this, because as, as, when you're chairman of the Senate Foreign Relations Committee, that th- that is such a powerful position. You have access to everything. You you have access to all of it. There's nothing that's kept from you. There's a, 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 a an elite number of people in the Senate and the House who have access to all of America's secrets. For the purposes of the continuity of government, also if, if they need to make decisions and the president needs to consult with members of the Senate and the House. Not every single one does, but there are some that do. The chairman of the Senate Foreign Relations Committee is one of those people. That's Bob Menendez. That's the guy who's now facing prison time for for selling out the United States of America and helping Egypt so that he can get he can get rich with with gold bars and cash and cars and everything else. So Chuck Schumer, the Senate Majority Leader, was asked about this question today. Take a listen. Should Senator Menendez be allowed to attend the classified briefing on Israel tomorrow? And you still stand by your position that he should not resign? You're not going for He's not going to attend the briefing tomorrow. Yes. I don't get involved in private con- I've had private conversations. I don't get involved in what happened in them on this kind of thing. He's not attending. Next. No, not next. Not next. Why is he not attending? Why? Why is the chairman of the Senate Foreign Relations Committee not attending? I know why. And you know why. It's because this scumbag would, would sell out America to Israel again, to uh, Egypt again. If anything comes up tomorrow in this briefing regarding Israel, Palestine, Egypt, the Strait of Hormuz, why Egypt is not doing more to allow people to pass through, for example, which is a major point of contention, why Egypt is not doing more to help refugees get through, why Egypt's not taking in Palestinians, for example. All of these questions, they know that that scumbag would pick up the phone and call his buddies in Egypt and would sell out America and sell out our allies and sell out our friends. That's the problem. That's why Bob Menendez is so bad. Remember, it's not just about taking the money. Yeah, you know what? There's a whole lot of politicians, particularly in Jersey over the years, and Philly too, who've taken the cash, they've taken the bars of gold. I'm not saying it's okay, but what I'm saying is this guy, this guy sold out the United States of America. This guy sold out the United States of America, and he has absolutely no business, no business, remaining on the Senate Foreign Relations Committee, having access to America's secrets, especially right now as we are dealing with this incredibly pivotal pivotal moment in the Middle East that directly involves the country that he was getting bought off by the people that he were helping. He was helping here, selling out America's secrets and doing what he had to do to help his friends get work in Egypt. That involved making sure that Egypt got whatever money Egypt wanted regardless of what standards the United States had in place with regards to their human rights record. 
Bob Menendez is the worst of the worst for that reason. He's a traitor to America. He does not belong on that committee, period. We'll be right back. Thanks for listening to the Seoli Show podcast from Talk Radio 1210 WPHT and the Odyssey app. Actually, tonight, the guys I'm going to let take you home are Dan and Anthony. The other side with Big Dan and Dorenzo. They're going to take you home tonight as we get ready for the Phil's. Game two, first pitch at 8.07. Guys? Thank you. Thank you, Rich. Uh, fantastic show today, man. Really, Thanks, just uh, from front to finish. It's, just a really, it's always a great show on the Zioli Show. But, Rich, we are live here at Citizens Bank Way, man. Awesome camaraderie, as you can see on the stream, youtube.com slash at 12.10WPHT. Give us a like and subscribe. You'll see a huge crowd now here developing. Uh, doors are open. Uh, game time, 8.06. Uh, it, it's... A f- Absolutely awesome environment out here, right, Anthony? Uh, Yeah, and there's people actually watching the Flyers. They've started. Everyone's starting to pour in into the link for the Mexico-Germany game. And everyone's out here. They'll be live. The block party goes right up until 8. And you can even... All right, I'm going to get in my car yes. and listen. Yeah, so you yeah. guys have a great show. I love it, brother. Thank you, sir. Go thank Phils. you very much. All right, boys. Go Phils. Go Phils. Enjoy the game tonight, Rich. Thank you, thank you. Yeah, so, uh, Anthony, we're out here, and it's it's a really awesome environment, and we, we have some spreads. We have some numbers I want to get into. Uh, right now, we're one-and-a-half-point favorites. Uh, is that uh, fair, you think, uh, or do you think we're just going to wreck them again tonight? Uh, I... I... <laughs> You know, last night, I think, obviously, the Phillies started hot as it went on. We did. I mean, throughout the entire playoffs, we've let a lot of players sit on base. And a lot of, I think, it was the last 10 runs yesterday before one of those RBIs. The last 10 runs came from solo home runs. And that's, I, I mean, you don't. You don't want to rely on solo home runs. It's nice to have a lineup where you can kind of in the back pocket always possibly get a few of those dingers. But at the same time, uh, I I do think it's going to be a tough battle here. Arizona is a good team. They're hot. They're as hot as any team in the MLB this season. Uh, it's Again, it'll still be a struggle, but I think the Phillies are built for this. It'll be another win, in my opinion, and, and I do think they'll cover here. I think they win by at least two runs. On the mound tonight, Aaron Nola for the Phillies. You at all concerned about his performances? Not at all. Yeah, the playoffs, uh, I, he's been really good. Yeah, huh? I think he's going to continue to solidify himself. I mean, sitting at a 1-4-2 ERA right now, 12 Ooh. strikeouts, uh, everything you want and more from a pitcher like that, and especially in a year like this, for him to not only face the pressure of the playoffs, but to face that personal career adversity. I mean, if he had a bad year this season, he could have been facing a market very, very low compared to what he's now going to see. Like, regardless of what happens moving forward here, Aaron Nola has solidified himself a very, very you, So, so he's, got, he's got a contract coming up, right? It's, uh, Absolutely. And I think the Phillies are going to keep him no matter what. But just he, pay him whatever he wants? I mean, his market, definitely, he can pretty much ask them to write whatever number he wants at this point. So, If you're just joining us for the first time, 12th WPHD, Dan Borowski here of the Dom Giordano program with Anthony Dorenzo. And before every Phillies game. We are out here live on Citizens Bank Way with all the Odyssey stations. WIP right next to us as well. Uh, just having a great time. It's a lot of fun out here. Even if you don't have tickets, we do invite you down here and we can get you on the stream with Rich or you can hop on with us at some point. Uh, and and I, I really liked, like, just to mix a little bit of politics with sports together real quick. Yesterday before the game there was a beautiful moment, right? It was before the game? Uh, it was during the game. It was during, during the game. game. Yeah. Okay. They, yeah. they showed Raul Ortiz who was, shot, he was one of the officers shot in the line of duty recently and he had Nick Castellanos' ring is that right 
Yeah, yeah, and that that was uh, that, that he was he was showing it off the way that Casty did with the celebration, <laughs> putting it out to the uh, to the crowd. Uh, and it, it was a good moment. I, I think the Phillies were very much class acts. The crowd in general too was very receptive to it. And on top of that, the uh, moment of silence they had before uh, honoring the lost life of uh, the officer. Mm -hmm. So I, from that to having all the officers walk out the flag, have the flyover, the fireworks, everything. I mean, the spectacle was there, and I think the Phillies, they they understand how to help our service members. It really seems like time. ever since Middleton's taken over, it's really they, they've done everything right. Yeah. They really yeah. have. Yeah. It, everything that they can do right, they've gone right. That's <laughs> true. So, so last night at the game, uh, your that comes up, just knocks one out of the park. Yeah. Then you have two batters later, Bryce, come up, knock one out of the park. What was it like? <laughs> Is it the greatest sports moment you've witnessed yourself in person? It's up there. Yeah. It's up there. I, I that's I'd really have to think about that. Yeah. Best moment I've ever seen live. I'd have to think about that one for a little it's bit. It's got to be up there. Because but, yeah, yeah. It's I mean, one of those moments that it's, you'll forever remember, and you're going to tell your kids about it. Well, it's you're true. there to see it in person. That's true. I mean, and it's like I when I was a kid, I never even thought I'd ever go to a playoff game, let alone I've gone to a couple this year already. So you're right. I mean, it is something that I'll cherish and really – I mean, why do you think the tickets are so expensive? I think there are a lot of people that grew up in our area that feel that same way. They want to spend the money to do whatever they can to get the hell down here and, and to root on our Phillies. $290 so. stupid tickets right now, yeah. and I'm Finding. Yeah, and uh, that's, but I mean, now look at that. We're like what an hour to game time, and they're still at 200. So I can't remember if it was on the stream or if we were on 1210 when we said it. But uh, looking at the Diamondbacks tickets for Game Three in Arizona, yeah, they're like what 30 bucks for standing $36, room. 36 dollars. Yeah, man. no, no, yeah. not even standing room. You get a seat at 36 dollars. <laughs> yeah, like are they even going to oh sell out the goodness. stadium? You, I, if you're a player for the Diamondbacks and you come here to Philadelphia and you see the passion that the fans have, it's got to feel like crap going back home and playing in front of your home fans. Yeah, they, I mean, they can't even fill a stadium in the NLDS. You could say the same thing about or the NLCS Braves. Even. Maybe, maybe that's what uh, killed the Braves' energy. They they didn't want to admit we were as good as them, but, I mean, come and on. And Braves fans like to believe that they're as passionate as we are. They're not. No. They're, they're really not. <laughs> uh, they're not. They're, they're nothing compared. Yeah, uh, so Philly's now 5-0 and at home. A huge home field advantage here at Citizens Bank Park. And uh, what, what's his name that's pitching? Uh, Merrill Kelly. Merrill Kelly's going to be on the mound for the Diamondbacks. And he had some comments that he made. You would think that you see what happened with Spencer Strider and, and, and the fact <laughs> that the entire city found out about that video that was just a throw-off video where he said he hated fans and didn't want to be playing in front of fans. Yep, exactly. So you see that happen, and you see how it inflamed. It inflamed Citizens Bank Park. And people were, oh, they were rabid. They were rabid to see Spencer Strider. This guy comes out and says, what now? I haven't obviously heard this place on the field, but I would be very surprised if it trumped that Venezuela game down in Miami. When Trey hit that grand slam, at least baseball-wise, I don't think I've ever experienced an atmosphere like that, so I hope it isn't louder than that. Which, first of all, why would you say hope? Second of all, you're mentioning Trey Turner, our player that's going to try to hit a home run off of you. I don't know, man. You're really trying to, like, are you weirdly trying to motivate us? We're already motivated enough. Very, very... First off, your name, Merrill, is a yeah. really bad name. <laughs> I apologize if there's any Merrill's listening, but Merrill, are, are your teammates right now laying into you in the clubhouse saying, what the hell are you thinking, dude? Because uh, you, you just signed up. You, you you signed up for a whooping from our crowd. Bulletin board material. Completely bulletin board material. Some more stats to run through. Most homers in Philly's playoff history. 11, Jason Wirth. 10, Bryce Harper. Tied now with Chase Utley. I ask again as Shows things... You the power. 
It does show you the power. But as things persist and uh, grow, and as we get closer to the World Series, will Bryce Harper be remembered as the greatest Philly of all time? I mean, he's yeah, he's up there. He's up there. I, I It's hard to say that right now, but I, I, he might be. He might be. I mean, this guy's playoffs, the way he hits in the playoffs, if he continues this for a few more years, let alone just this year. Uh, yeah, he'll Hen- be remembered. Henry, the producer back at the station, has texted us, be wary of Merrill. I didn't even <laughs> think about it. Merrill Reese is a fantastic announcer. Yeah, I was thinking of yeah. Merrill from The Walking Dead, who's an absolutely uh, terrible uh, yeah. human being. I thought you were being a little facetious with no, that. No, I, I didn't, I didn't yeah, yeah, put yeah. it together that Merrill Reese. Yeah, Merrill has – it's a great first name. One of the best first names I've ever heard, Merrill. Yeah, the voice right? of Philadelphia. Yeah, yeah. He is one of – is Merrill Reese the best announcer? Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Is it just because we here have that love for I him? I mean, he just has such passion. Or? I feel like it's hard to find those announcers that have that passion, that drive, and, like, that love for the team and have covered it for that long. It's hard to, but... Yeah. Some more historical perspective. 1980 Phillies won the NLCS Game 1. 2008 Phillies won the NLCS Game 1. 2023 Phillies, you just saw it, won the NLCS Game 1. There are a lot of similarities that are happening between this team and the other championship teams. That's what I mean, man. It really, I think stuff like that, I know it sounds a little cliche or tacky maybe to an extent, but I think there's a reason for it, and it shows like that scrappy... That scrappy play is, 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 I mean, it's paying off for him. It's paying off, and and to, you know, I I think it's a little bit of, oh, of course it will happen then, of course it will happen now. It doesn't mean that, but I think showing those stats next to each other and really going back and looking at it, whether it's the home runs or that one you just mentioned, it gives you reason to be excited. It feels much more real this year than it did last year. Yeah, I would agree I feel like we are here. And yeah, I feel like we're the best team. Last year, I didn't necessarily feel like that. Yeah. yeah. Hey, well, we got to take a quick break. Uh, Mark Levin coming up here in a couple minutes. But uh, before then, we'll come back here, give you the starting pitchers and the starting lineups right here at 12 WPHD as Dan Borowski from the other side with Anthony Dorenzo joins you live from Citizens Bank Way outside the ballpark before game two of the NLCS. See you in a second. Rich Zioli, weekday afternoons, 3 to 7, Talk Radio 1210, WPHT, and on the free Odyssey app. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. (sighs) Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step and into your home too shop blinds.com right now and save up to 45 percent. up to 45 percent off for a limited time at blinds.com blinds.com rules and restrictions may apply oh, 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 for a 
Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.